to the bomb hole. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. Gonna slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. All right, we are back here in the booth at the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer. Now you know how we do this. We got to start it off, Stony Buds. How are we doing today? So good, my dog. Whew, that's a good one. That's quality. Thank you. Uh, to my left, we have Jeff Pensiero in the booth. Jeff, how are we doing? It's so good, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Well, Jeff, we are really happy to have you in here today, and I got to give a brief intro. Not all of our listeners maybe are familiar with who you are, what you've done. Uh, mo- most notably, founder, owner, uh, visionary for Baldface Lodge, uh, one of the most iconic places to snowboard in the entire world. Uh, formerly sales manager, I believe, at Crap Snowboards. We'll talk about all that stuff, but... Also, icon of the sport in protecting its culture, somebody that really cares, somebody that's really important to our sport. So I want to I kind of emphasize all the things that he's done and doing and cares, and uh, we're really happy to get into all things with you here today, Jeff. I'm excited too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we're going to kind of hit the ground running here because well, when I was doing my research, uh, you sent me a letter. Uh, what can snowboarding learn from Craig Kelly? And I know you had a very close relationship with Craig Kelly. So I want to see if you want to just elaborate on that. Uh, yeah. So Stefan at Pleasure Magazine wrote me and asked me if I'd write something for Pleasure Magazine, which is a German magazine. And uh, I've gotten requests to write things before, but I, I'm not that intrigued to do it. And I, I don't spend a lot of time writing. The question he asked me was, what can snowboarding learn from Craig Kelly today? And I thought that was really interesting because it was looking ahead instead of looking back or telling the story. And um, it sat in my head and festered for a while. Like, God, I learned so many cool things, even in retrospect from that relationship that really carry on that are just good. They're like Stoics. You know, the Stoics, uh, It's he was like Stoic with his wisdom. And I, I, I'm older now and I can look back and really see those gems. So I tried to distill it into a few paragraphs and, and kind of share it with the German reading audience of pleasure magazine. Totally. And there's a bunch of stuff that stuck out. And I always, I really enjoyed (gasps) the part about uh, being very present in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were talking about that earlier. It's definitely been something in my life that I've found. If you try to be really good right now and be really authentic, like here, um, you can't really do anything about the past. You can learn from it and the future is still undetermined. So I just spend my time really trying to be here and and be the best I can be and even recognize it when I'm not being my best and learn from that. And I think Craig um, really lived in the moment. I mean, hanging out with him was like, um, he had a lot to think about and to take the time to work with us on our project. We got to spend a lot of time mountain biking, especially because he was around in the summer and then obviously doing winter stuff, but he was in and out a lot more. But man, when you were in the mountains with that guy, he was like in the mountains. And it, that always stuck with me. It actually plowed something into my psyche for sure. Amazing. One of the quotes I want to read from this this article is awesome. While I, always, while, while I will always have the mo- utmost respect for the superhuman, out-of-bounds freestyle and extreme stunts that seem to continually progress beyond our imaginal limits, my highest appreciation goes out to the simple rider who's out there just for the experience. Yeah, Craig said that. And and uh, 
at Baldface and in my career, I've really come to ride with Travis and Jamie, and I'm sure we'll talk about all the great people that come up there, but I get to see regular dudes get the best toe side turn they've ever had in their life, follow it up with a sick heel side slasher on a wall, come into the group, everybody's cheering them on, maybe the photographer got a picture, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now, like, that's the best part for sure massive appreciation for the, for people just getting out there and enjoying that that level right there totally and there's there's a lot of pros that might land like a front nine and they barely hand drag and they come in and they're all pissed and it's like <laughs> he's basically saying i appreciate the guy that came in and did five turns and is losing his mind that's it then the guy that did the front 10 that fucking was mad about well, they the were the drag. best five turns of that guy's yeah. life and you know it and it yep. shows and the whole crew gets excited. So That's a, it. Then you're in the cat moment. and then everybody's yeah. getting there. And it's just this crazy, great energy um, from a simple toe side, heel side turn. So killer. Well, let's, let's run it back to the early days of uh, Jeff Pensiero. Cause a lot of people think you're Canadian. I think too. I'm married in. You're married. In. Uh, I'm married okay. in. Yeah. But originally where are you from? I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio and uh, had a pretty, you know, regular childhood there, but, we had a little ski hill there, uh, Brandywine, Boston Mills, and a place called Alpine Valley. And we used to go there and then get in a bus and go over to Peak and Peak and Holiday Valley and, and over there and go. That was skiing. Snowboarding still wasn't around then. And then my dad, he was in the food business and somehow was selling potatoes for French fries and stuff. And he ended up buying a place in Sun Valley in the 70s. And so we would always go on our breaks out to Sun Valley and go, go, you know, to bigger, bigger mountain and a bigger experience and all that stuff. And then my friend, Kenny Wolford, who was a skier, his dad got him a back hill and we drove out of town and we'd, we'd go to like little hills kind of on the way to Galena summit. And that was my first snowboarding was. This is a that. Burton back hill. Yeah. A blue one. Yes. I know that one. Yep. Those had the fins on them, right? Yeah, little fins. And actually in Cleveland back in the day, we had a my older brother, I think, had a snurfer, the Brunswick one. And uh it wasn't until I started collecting boards and I got one and I was like, I think we had one of these. Sure enough, we used to just go to the kind of golf courses in Cleveland and stuff and go shred around on that thing. Amazing. Yeah. Now you, you ended up having kind of a career in snowboarding with uh, you know, crap snowboards and glycade and things like that. How did that all come about? Well, all right. So it started this is where it gets you just tell me to shut up anytime. <laughs> so I was in, um, let's see, my journey went from Cleveland to uh, New Hampshire, and I went to a boarding school in New Hampshire that was like the coolest thing that ever could have happened to me. It's called Proctor Academy, and it was awesome. And after Proctor, I got accepted to Colorado State, and I went to Colorado State for three years and basically just partied like way too hard all the time. You know, it was like out of boarding school, no rules, and, you know, we got pretty loose. Um, so after a while, I talked to my dad, and I was like, I'm not really doing anything in college, and I don't know what I'm doing. All I want to do is go snowboarding and skiing, and I don't really care. I, I was playing music. I was like, I love playing music and going up to the mountains, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not interested in anything. And sure enough, he looked it up and found a ski business management place, Sierra Nevada College, and he was like, I'll help you. I'll help you kind of reboot. And so I moved to Incline with my dad's help and started going to Sierra Nevada. And all of a sudden was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I, I love the business side. I took financial accounting and managerial and kind of went through a lot of the business law. And, and then we'd have classes with people who had done shit 
you know, and they would come in and tell their kind of like me now, like they would tell their story how they did. I was so fascinated with places like Homewood and Sierra Tahoe and how Heavenly had grown and Squaw and all these places. It was so cool. So, so I finished at Sierra Nevada with a ski business degree. And while I was going through it, um, the rep from K2, Brian Snelson, great guy. He had been doing the skis for like 20 years at that point. And their snowboards started coming on and he needed somebody to like deal with the tents and the demos and all that stuff. And I, my first job was actually with Kemper snowboards, uh, sitting in a parking lot, turning screws, you know, giving out demos. So then I started working for Brian and that was awesome because snowboarding was still kind of small then, but growing quickly in Northern California and K2 is this kind of cool brand because they were already in all the ski shops and a lot of the snowboard, the core snowboard brands were really like scrapping it out to get into skate shops and, and surf shops. So I was able to go and kind of bridge the gap and get that brand into a few other, you know, shops, maybe a little broader. And it was, they had a great team then. It was like Farmer and Parada and Morgan LaFont and Adam Merriman. Like it was a great program. So Luke Edgar was running that with, um, who should be on the bomb hole sometime. Yeah, get it. Brent Turner and Jason Kaznitz and Haley. They were just these awesome mentors at that time. And I got to work with all these K2 reps that understood business so good. And so I, I really learned a shit ton there, but then it was like, I was doing all the work and I wasn't really making any of the money. And I kind of realized like, Oh, that's how it goes with like big companies. You know, there's a lot of cogs in that machine. So I was like, I want to go work for a small company and see if I can do some cool shit. So Greg Pronko had, um, Glissade and my buddy, Rusty Dobbs, who is legend. He was the Volcom and the lib rep back then in Northern California. Yeah. Rusty. Um, we could get into some rusty stories for sure. Um, so rusty got me a job at Glissade and they were just small out of Chico, California, making not a ton of snowboards every year, but really high quality stuff. And they made their own materials and they built their own presses and they were all engineering geeks from university of California, Chico. And it was awesome. And we had that company going and we hired a Japanese distributor and then we hired a South American distributor. We got a European and a Czech distributor. And like that company started actually doing stuff. And it was really cool. And after like three years, the company's growing, everything's good. And I was like, God, I'm still not, still not really making any money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm helping those guys out, but God, I see it. The path is there, but I don't really have anything in it. So I was 27 and I was like, I'm going to just take some time off and maybe, maybe I should start a company. And maybe if I fail now, then it'll be easier to go work for someone else, you know? So, uh, my girlfriend, this is, I'm really getting into it. Yeah, so. let's go. That's what it's for. It's yeah, a right. podcast. This is interesting. It's great. I uh, completely fell in love with the girl in Sierra Nevada College who was a ski racer and was, is a key word, but she was a ski racer and I was doing some tech work for the skis and the NCAA racing or whatever it is. But man, this girl, the second I saw her, I was like, wow. you know, I don't know if you guys know, but when you find the one, like you freaking you know, know, right? Yeah. I was like, holy shit. But she didn't really see it that way. So we dated for like three or four years in college. And um, and then we broke up. And she really wanted to go to India and go see the world and go down that path. And all I wanted to do was be in the Cascades and go hiking and go check it out. And like I was finally made it to Lake Tahoe. I mean, it was killer. So we we broke up and it was really sad. And I decided I was going to quit my job and start something awesome but i didn't know what it was so i kind of floated around i was guy with truck in lake tahoe which was an awesome job that was actually my last job but i had to add in the back of the paper guy with truck and i'd go 
deliver refrigerators to people or pick up their garbage <laughs> or sweep out their driveway. Anything a guy with a truck can do for yeah, somebody. Yeah, a guy with truck. It was awesome. That's a great company right there. I had Good cash idea. in my pocket all the time. And then people would leave after their vacation and be like, oh, you can have all the food in the fridge, whatever. And like, yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. And everybody needs a guy with a truck. Huh? Guy with truck. If you're looking to start a business, just start with a guy with truck. Yep. yep. Take it from there, huh? So uh, anyways... In my wisdom of 27 years, I decided I should really probably go on a heli skiing trip once in my life before I totally cratered it out. I got a trip at a heli skiing lodge and I was so excited and I drove up I-5 and I saw my friend Arlie and we went to Alpental and jumped off some really big rocks with like Todd Schlosser, like fucking sick, right? But I hurt my ankle really bad and I called him and I'm like, I can't come. I hurt my ankle and they're like, too bad. You already paid for it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I broke my ankle. Like, they're like, yeah, no, you gotta, you can come and eat the food and fly around in a helicopter, I guess. But you know, it's like shit. So I ended up driving up, and Paula's that girl, my 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 girlfriend's dad was on that trip, and we got to hang out, and we were buddies. And you know, he's like, are you guys talking? Are you friends? You know, because we were really good together. And I was like, not really. It's just too hard. You know, we're like kind of done. And he was like, well, you know, she took a job as the editor over at a, at a uh, newspaper in Nelson. You know, like, you guys should go say hey, like, whatever. Like, you know, you guys are great together. All right, Bruce, great. The hugs, whatever. And I made it to um, Salt Lake. No, not Salt Lake. Seattle. And my, I hung out with my buddy Arlie, and we had this, like, the big 27-year-old talk about life and everything. And it was like, either you drive south on I-5 tomorrow or you drive west on 90 or east on 90 and go to nelson and go see paula again see where your life takes you so sure enough i drove over to nelson and um yeah that's really when it all started happening because i paula and i got back together like pretty quickly after that we saw each other we were like this is super for real and then uh yeah it was crazy like so then i had a partner fraps jim fraps who i can't say enough good things about and he and i really started the company together and then paula um, was working as the editor of the newspaper, but we had this awesome local girl to go into the government offices and ask questions instead of two American dudes. Like, you know, she's Canadian. She's awesome. She's a, she's a editor of a newspaper. So obviously she has a reason to be in there. So we started using Paula to like get information on everything. And meanwhile, me and Fraps were just, I was in the field all the time, like looking at places and driving up drainages and doing things. And Fraps was like figuring out the government side and like, how do you get a permit or can you get a, what is it? Is it telly? Is it cat? Is it whatever? And like everything just started right then. God, that was a long answer. Isn't to it about question. 10 years up there? Is that the whole thing in Canada? Well, 10 years, T-E-N-U-R-E. And it's, um, it just means like a, you have a right to use the land commercially. Oh, gotcha. It's actually what we have is called a license of occupation. Everybody calls it a tenure, but it's a license of occupation on crown land. And that gives you the the ability to use it and all that? It gives us the ability to have exclusive commercial backcountry recreation rights. And that's why the sledders can kind of go in if they want. Yeah, they're public. Yeah. They're public. public. How did the uh, locals feel about you, like, getting a land up there and all that, not being an American? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if it was so much that I was an American or not, but I think people felt like they do now, it's not a new feeling that there's just too much development, too much, everybody squeezing everything. Everywhere, yeah. Everywhere, everybody feels that. And so, you know, I took the approach of really like, we had a lot of public meetings. 
I didn't put my finger on a map and say, we're doing it here. I was like, where do you guys think we should be doing it? I'm looking, I went in with maps and I'd be like circling shit and be like, Oh, that's your watershed. Yeah. Let's not go there. Oh, this is a snowmobile spot. All right. We'll go there. Like, so I really tried to like hear and listen a lot. We, we hosted a lot of meetings and we just spent a lot of time trying to really find a place that made sense and, um, heard a lot in the product. It's like, my approach was that I don't know shit. All I can do is sit there and learn shit, but I didn't know what I was doing, you know? So it was really all about going in humbly to the government office and listening and listening at those public meetings. And we put our tenure like management plan at Oso Negro. So it was available to anybody to read. And so that if there's any of this going on, it was like, well, it's right. This is, this is the, you know, go read the piece of paper. So we, we took a quite a long time before we actually selected the place, which Craig and Buff were part of picking that out too, as they came on. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the public has a right to be pissed off when, you know, things come in and you should feel a little threatened all the time. You know, you should make a guy like me, like earn the right to use public lands and I should be held to a high standard and accountable. And that should be like, sorry, on a piece of freaking paper, you know, like, yeah, it's a contract. I can't be a messy Marvin up there and fuck up the environment. Like I can't do it. It's bad enough. We drive cats around everywhere. So we got to be really careful with that stuff. It's super important. So I'm kind of glad it's really hard to get one of those. things. Yeah. Well said, well said. Well now said. in regards to the early days of bald face, uh, I have a guest question from none other than Shane Johnson. Oh. Here we go. Hey Jeff, Shane coming to you from tribute. You and I go way back, buddy, 22, 24 years, and I can't thank you enough for all the business advice along the way and, and being invited to be part of that early crew of Baldface and working with you up there was, was incredible. Uh, my question is around the early days, you know, how, how did you get from Nelson, B.C. To, to where the dream lives now? You know, from jumping into Agent Orange to dealing with shotguns being pulled on you to the whole ordeal. There was a ton of great stories inside of that. And, uh, yeah, I figured that'd be a good one for the listeners. Thanks again, you guys. Shane. That kid. Come on, Airhorn. He's awesome. Yeah, Shane Shane uh, worked at a shop called the Rip and Giraffe up there. There was, like, a crew of young guys that, that had uh, a boss named Jason Dickey. He just passed away. Great guy. And uh, that was the snowboard shop in town. And it was down in the basement under another store and and. It was the first place I ever walked into kind of wondering what was going on with snowboarding culture. And I met a kid, I Shane was working there. And then I met a kid named Moss Patterson who is uh, he's a total legend. He won the sick bird award at snowbird a couple of times on skis. He was kind of that Seth Morrison era. And Moss is just, I can't say enough great things about that guy, but kid for, guy from California rolls into Nelson BC, walks into the snowboard shop and I'm like, Hey, I'm not from around here. What's going on? Like, what would you expect that kid to say? Right? Like, yeah, go walk up there, you know? <laughs> Moss is like, pick me up at the hitch hitching spot tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. We'll get early ups on the chair. You know, my my friend's uncle is the head of, you know. The, all right. Go pick this kid up. And we went to Whitewater. If you've never been to Whitewater, you probably wouldn't understand. But that resort is like a mini baker. Or it's like, it's an amazing little spot. You got to hike a little more than baker, though. But Moss starts taking me to these lines. I'm from Tahoe and I like riding Alpine and squad going around and, you know, shredding hard. The lines there are just the next level up. And Moss was showing me all the sneaky spots and whatever. And so we became pretty fast friends. And then Shane started helping out 
And I had this little local crew of homies that whenever we wanted to go on a mission, since I sucked at snowmobiling, everybody did, and snowmobiles sucked back then, you would need dudes to shovel out all the snowmobiles at the end of the day. (laughs) We would basically go up a drainage till we'd get fucking so stuck. And then spend like an hour shoveling everything out, turning them around, and then we would go snowshoeing up into the mountains for the day so that at least when we came down, there'd be like beer and sleds pointing the right way on the way out. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much our technique. On the old indie triples. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were hole diggers. 900s and shit, yeah. Handlebars, like, down by your knees. Like, <laughs> getting up there. No mountain bar. Trying. It was so crazy back then. Like, we used to side hill this slope that's a cut block on an avalanche path that comes down. And you come on the logging road and then there's this, you know, it gets blown over. So you got a side hill throttle down across this thing and make it to a logging road on the other side. Like two years. Generally got stuck there every time. (laughs) And then I go with a buddy who is like actually a snowmobiler. And he watches me try to side hill this thing. And he's like, what what are you doing? I'm like, ah, fuck, this is the part. So just like probably need you to come again. We'll see. And I'm like trying to side hill this thing. And he just drops down to the bottom of the clear cut, goes to the corner, drives straight up to the corner, <laughs> turns it in. I was like, oh, that's how you do it. Right. <laughs> they go uphill really good. Yeah. So that would be a lesson. And, and like we used to, um, all right, the two stories Shane are talking about are the, we, we used to meet at the Prestige Marina in Nelson and our tenure is on the other side of a, a lake. So we needed a boat to get across to this little dock in this little community that was quite remote at that time. And of course we didn't have any money. We didn't have anything. So we borrowed a boat from our, from Terry Maglio, who's kind of like the older guy who always helped us out with stuff with the construction company in town. Maglio's awesome too. And we had this little orange boat, the color of that thing. And it could take four people. If one of the people sat on the front, you know, like legs over the bow so that it would not just plow through the water like that and that thing was called agent orange and you had to bail it while you were going across like i mean i'm just telling you commercially speaking compared to what we do now like that is so not okay to put your employees in a boat like that and like not okay at all but all those all those guys were snowboarders first and then it was a job and an adventure second like we were still we were going up there and getting sick we were getting the bald face lines before anybody got them like with craig it was like the funnest times who wouldn't sign up for that yeah, I'll go take a shitty boat and dig snowmobiles out for half the day to go shred for half the day up there. Like, so we did that for a while. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I got shotgun shot at me. We had like, there was one guy down there in that crazy neighborhood and he just hated us. Right. But he maybe had some addiction problems. Fair way to say it pretty clearly. <laughs> and we used to have to bring our beer like up this ramp we'd have to carry so much shit out of the boat onto the dock, up the ramp to the dirt place, put it in the truck, drive it up to the slave. That's, that's my life. Right. And this guy, one time he, he just picks up a 30 pack while he's walking by and he just starts walking up to his truck. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, this is my beer. What do you mean? It's your beer. It's my beer. You got a problem with it? I'm like, yeah, no, it's all right. You can take my beer. So he takes the beer. I'm like, you know, if you lose a 30 pack here and there, whatever. But what he didn't know was we had a we had a lot of pack rats up at the lodge that winter and we had a live trap. So every time I came down the <laughs> every time I came down the hill that winter with a when we catch pack rat, I let it go in his wood pile right next to his house. Old Lloyd. 
It was a little bit of that stuff. <laughs> and, got a, and then I think he caught me. We ended up becoming friends. There was one crazy dude over there, and we paid him to drive through his gate because there's a little sneaky road that goes in, but it goes through this crazy dude. You know the crazy guy on the hill with the gun? Mm-hmm. So I went up to him. I'm like, I want to come through your gate. Can I pay you to come through? He's like, okay, we negotiate like $750. I can go through with a sled for the winter, get a key to the gate. Like two days later, I pull up to the gate with Moss, who's like 17. And uh, <laughs> and I'm like fucking around with the key to the gate. And I hear, pew, pew, you know, two really clear rifle shots. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I see the guy up on his porch. And then he comes running around. I'm like, I went walking up to him. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? He's like, oh, I wasn't sure it was you. I was just firing a couple of warning shots. And I was so pissed. I'm like, that kid's 17 years old, man. I paid you to use your gate. He's like, well, that's why I fired warning shots. Jeez. And I remember saying it, and he was crazy. I was a little frightened of this dude. But I, my eyes got really big, and I was like, I know you know I'm from America. And in America, we don't even know what warning shots are. Like, you do that again, I will kill you in your sleep. You won't even know what happened to you. <laughs> I'm not going to warn you that I'm going to shoot you, dude. And he literally turned into like the Grinch when he got happy after Christmas. And me and that guy, Paul, we were like best buddies after that. <laughs> he thought that was the funniest thing ever. Like we were having a good time. Yeah. So there was a lot of that on the, on the journey up. Thanks, Shane. Long answer again. But, no, that's yeah. what this is for. I, and I have, a, I have a question I just got to ask on a personal level too in regards to that. It's like when you were going up, you're – figuring out the terrain up there you're sledding around was there a point when you're somewhere on top of one of the bald face lines and you're just like this is it without a doubt 100 percent. there's a run there called confirmation yeah have you ever done confirmation i'm sure i have but so confirmation is right next to scary cherry where we do the natural selection yeah. contest and there's a ridge that runs down and it separates it from the next bowl to the south and we used to have a dome, a canvas dome built up there. And we would stay there for three, four days at a time. It had a little wood stove and it was killer. And one time me and Moss and maybe a couple other guys, we snowshoed up. It's like 2,400 vertical, pretty steep rib line. And we snowshoed up it straight up. It took us a whole day and we got one run on the way down. And uh, let's see, I had built this jacket back then when I worked for a soup kitchen. And I had a Walkman, you know, the sport Walkman with a mixtape. And I ran the cable inside and I broke out a couple of headphones and I sewed them into the collar like this so I could have tunes going but still hear if I needed to hear stuff. And Tim Manning called it the Penn Stereo jacket. (laughs) Pretty sick. And so we get to the top of confirmation, which is where the TV tower is on the natural selection for reference. And I click play. And sure enough, uh, Charlie Parker comes on saxophone player great saxophone player and he's playing this song and i'm it's a great song it's called confirmation if you want to if you want to hear it and i click it and it starts playing and it's this nice nice lively song and i'm like ripping this line like holy shit and get to the bottom and make a turn right to where the snowmobile is and the end of the song goes and it like ended right when I hit the thing and I look at my tape and I'm like, Oh my God, that song's called confirmation. Like, I'm pretty sure this is a sign for sure. <laughs> wow. And that run still is one of my favorite runs. Of the mm-hmm. whole time. Now the thing that talking to everybody that they bring up is like the, 
the cl- crystal clear vision you had for the place because you you see bald face now gigantic lodge huge cat lodge all kinds of different little cabins you've heli in it's freaking luxurious food it's 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 the experience of a lifetime but back then i think people kind of thought you were crazy because you you had that vision but you're going to this place with like fucking nothing on it in the middle of nowhere with all these hurdles how do we get there you got to either heli in or take a boat and and um I guess, like, how how early did you have that crystal clear vision of what it was going to be? I still don't have a crystal clear oh, you don't? vision, <laughs> my friend. No, it doesn't work like that, though. I think my vision was um, after that heli skiing trip I went on, uh, an example would be, like, they got, like, old wooden skis and snowshoes, like, crossed up on the walls. And uh, I remember seeing that and walking out of that lodge and being like, why isn't that, like, a fucking original sin snowboard from you know the early days why isn't that like one of the old burtons up there you know and it just started clicking that i was like snowboarding was small when i started with k2 and it freaking went crazy and it was all 20 year old northern norcal people and in the back of my mind i'm like these guys are all going to be successful real estate people or lawyers or whatever the hell their journey's going to do but they're always going to be snowboarders and i didn't feel comfortable in that lodge and I looked at like Mike Wigley helicopter skiing and like, I'm not talking shit on, on any ski operation. I think it's great. All I wanted to do was have a place where we would all feel super comfortable, right? Like, yeah, this is ours and skiers come on up, but this is our culture. Like, I'm not going to try to be like a European dude with raclette and like pickles after s- skiing. You, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like we're not doing that, you know? And that, that was my vision. It wasn't like, I want to have helicopters and a lodge and cabins and all this stuff. It's just all, all those things were the path that was predetermined that I just stopped fighting and allowed allowed to happen. It is what it is, not because I decided to be it. It's because I had a lot of great partners, a lot of friends, a lot of input. A lot of people worked on those things way harder than I paid them for. You know, like, <laughs> but it's just a, that's why it, I still have a hard time saying it's successful, but like if it's successful now, that's why is because I didn't try to make it into anything. I had an idea and I allowed it to become what it is, you know? And I think it's the same with like kids, relationships. Like you start putting expectations and putting your finger on a map and saying, this is where you're doing it. When really this might be a better spot over here, but you dig a hole right here and you got to justify your decisions. So you can't jump over there. And I think you got to just kind of listen a lot more and, 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 and it becomes pretty, the voice becomes pretty loud when you, Shut the fuck up, you know. <laughs> yeah, the gut intuition kind of telling you what you want to do. If you if you take the time to be in the mountains and get connected, like Craig said, those decisions probably become a lot clearer too. I'd imagine. Well, it's it's like my process is that I I don't really make decisions. I listen. I ask a lot of questions. I kind of observe a lot of things. But then it's like there it is. And then when I know, I know. But I don't fake it when I don't know. I'd rather tread water and enjoy the moment and be good with what's happening right now and not push myself to do something I'm not sure about. But boy, once I know what it is, I get shit done for sure. I also want to highlight too what you said earlier too. Is like I never thought about from the perspective. I've never been to a cat skiing lodge with like skis and stuff on the wall and kind of celebrating ski culture. Because when you go to Baldface, you're like, oh, this is our place. This is for snowboarders. And you go take a piss and there's a 
Tarquin, uh, Tarquin, evil. Uh, yeah, evil, like a machine gun graphic on the wall, and and there's the, every every board on the wall is like this iconic old these old snowboards, and you're taking a piss, and <laughs> you might be a little tuned up, and you're like, this is fucking awesome, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we one of the things we did originally was like I got a lot of friends in snowboarding, and and snowboarding to snowboarding's credit, and I'm not somebody I love this industry. I'm so honored to be a part of it, and. My perspective is like this industry is so freaking generous and supportive of great ideas and great people like yourselves and like my thing that people are just sending snowboard free snowboards, bindings, whatever the fuck you want. Like, yeah, dude, can we get some of that? Can we get some of that? Cause I wanted my customers to have the best possible experience on the newest, coolest shit. When fish were coming out, G was sending them out. Burton was supporting it. It's like so cool, right? Spring break sends their weird new shapes. It's great. But we used to have to buy skis. So I charged for ski rental, but I never charged for snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a subtle thing, you know? Do you yeah. have some guests that don't even bring boards up? Oh, yeah. yeah. The people who know what's up don't bring a board. Don't even bring a board. <laughs> you bring your boots and your bindings on your boots. But now you, you bring need, your bindings on your boots. It, it's if you're a binding nerd, but like to, to Johan and, and everyone at uh, C3, like they make a custom bald face union binding that they literally were like, what, what? sucks about bindings and i'm like oh you know in variable snow you get the clogging and it's okay we're gonna make a base blade for that okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna make it so the straps have holes so it clears the powder out you know and like the bald face union binding is fucking sick and we have shit tons up there so now everybody just rides just bring your boots yeah wow i have a patreon question for you um from benny pellegrino and he asked can you tell us about your first meeting with craig kelly and part two, how does one get kicked out of Baldface forever? Well, Benny knows, but hes I think he's getting back in now. Uh, he was kicked out? No, but oh. he, if you if you get, you know, yeah, yeah. You got to be able to get across a border to get to Baldface. That's not a me thing, for oh, sure. So that's you. one thing you can do is kind of have some problems down here, like not pay your taxes. I don't, I'm not saying Benny did that, but like. The drinking and driving, I Drinking and driving, those kind of things come up at the border. So you want to have a clean record or get that stuff taken care of, which you can. Um, so that'll get you kicked out, I guess. But, uh, but you've well, never had to kick anyone out? I've not rebooked people that I just didn't think got the experience. Yeah. You know, and, I've, and I'll have an honest talk with them and just be like, you know, like, yeah, that's not really how we do it up here, you know. Um, yeah, I don't need to get into specifics, but yeah. there's a few people that I've, like, steered to other places, too. Like, we've had the wine and cheese people that come up, and they really want a lovely experience, and they're expecting, you know, um, pickles and raclette at the end of the day. And I know that we're not hitting it for them, and I'll tell them. I'll be like, man, there's some really good places. I, You know, I can recommend five for you. You know, uh, Mustang powder's great. You know, chatter's great. There's lots of great places to go. This just might not be your culture. So, and they're maybe freaked out by all the snowboarders partying after a good You know, day. once I have that, because usually that's like the first night I'll recognize that and go chit-chat with some yeah. people. And they fucking love it just that you come up and you recognize it. You're like, yeah. you know, I noticed that you uh, are wearing a Norwegian sweater. You're a little uncomfortable. feels a little uncomfortable <laughs> here, but it's okay. <laughs> You're not quite our target. It's, it's totally cool. Yeah. Here. Travis Rice is like ripping shots, shots, <laughs> right? Or what? Are, what's that? What everybody does the car bombs. The car bombs. <laughs> There's a line of car bombs going. On. Exactly. You know, sometimes I walk into that bar now and I'm like, ah, oh, god. <laughs> Twenty five years, we're still doing that. Like, like, I'm like Matthew McConaughey. I'm like the old guy, but my bar is the same age. People just car bombing all the time. <laughs> Coming to the same party. Yeah, it's the same party every day. Yeah, yeah. so good. And then uh, his part one was. 
Oh yeah, meeting Craig Kelly. Where are you? Here's where I met Craig. I was in Nelson. Uh, Paula and Fraps and I were living in a little rental house, and I was walking down the street, and this white sport van. Uh, Craig had a really sick, like, custom van, four-wheel drive, pop-top, everything. And it pulls up in the parking spot, like, right next to me while I'm walking down the street. And I stopped. And was like, fuck, that is a sick van, right? And then the side door opens, and Craig jumps out of the van. And my, you know, I was like, I'm a huge snowboarding fan, you know? But I'd never ran with that crowd, you know what I mean? Like, no way. And he looks right at me. And I'm like, oh, hey. He goes, hey, is there a CD store in this town? And I'm standing in front of the CD store. And I was like, yeah, this is a CD store. He's like, thanks, man, thanks. And walks into the CD store. And I was like, (laughs) 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 you know, I was like like Elvis for a Texas schoolgirl in the 50s. You know, I'm like, (laughs) inside, you know, I'm I'm freaking out. But I I basically ran home. And I I remember running in the door. I'm like, Paula, we're in the right place. This is going to happen. This is I just saw Craig Kelly ask me if there was a CD store and I was standing in front of us. I had the right answer. Like <laughs> this is happening. And uh, so that was the first time I met him and I think he was just passing through town. But then I started working when, when, when I said we put that management plan at Oso Negro, I was also going in there every day and get coffee and going out in the field. And, and this guy named John Buffery, uh, triple, you know, nuclear Let's air horn. You asked for it. Wow. <laughs> He's the best guy in the world, right? Or in, the, in North America? Uh, you know, I, I would. I could talk to you about Buff for a long. I will talk to you about Buff. All right, so Buff <laughs> saw me going up and down in this old pickup truck I had, and he knew I was doing something, and he came up to me. He's like, what are you up to? You're in Oso first thing in the morning, and you got this sled in the back of your truck, and you got your gear on. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to figure out, like, what's going on? I, you know, and. And he's like, are you going out in the back country? Yeah. Well, that year there was an avalanche that killed, don't quote me, but I think it was 11 people up at Kokanee Glacier on a terrible accident, full moon, shitty situation. The community was really shaken. Wow. And he was like, it's a pretty dicey time out there. What do you, how much snow study have you done? I'm like, oh, I went to college, got a ski business management degree, you know, something. <laughs> I did a one day class. He's like, okay. And, He's like, would you like me to come along? So that was Buff introducing himself to me like a guardian freaking angel in a weird year. And all of a sudden I had this guy. I didn't know that he was like, had been, uh, he was director of like avalanche control for CMH. He had done like all these crazy jobs up to then too. And um, he just started coming with me and talking with him, you know, touring and doing stuff and just being around Buff and hearing other lodges and how they do it. We started hanging out. We came, we became pretty good friends really. And, uh, Lots of drinking tea with him. He loves tea. So you sit, drink tea, listen to music. He's a, he has an amazing mini disc collection. <laughs> oh my God. Buffing his mini discs of like <laughs> techno kind of like, it was pretty fun. So yeah, Buff even let me and Paul live in his house for like three months when we were trying to figure it out. And, uh, and, and so Buffery just started like putting me on the path, you know, and being like, look, there's responsibilities that come along with this. And it's not just you being an idiot, but we got to come and dig your body out if you are an idiot. So let's just like see this for what it is. And so it was awesome. Buffery really like elevated my understanding of what it means to be a responsible citizen, you know, um, great mentor, you know, 
if you could pick your mentors, you'd pick a guy like Buff for sure. So Terry Maglio, too. I'll tell you, I got so many people in the story. It's just <laughs> bananas, man. It's bananas. My gratitude to everybody that I'm not mentioning is who has helped in this thing is crazy. But so Buff, uh, Buff and I were talking and this and that. And then one day he's like, Hey, you want to come over and have a game of chess? I got a friend in town that might be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'll be right over. And I walked in and he was having a game of chess with Craig. And he was like, Hey, why don't you tell Craig what's going on? What you're thinking about doing? He's got a lot of experience. He's a part owner at Island Lake. He's been, you know, everywhere, everything. And I, I remember I backed out of the room just to like get my shit together. For a <laughs> I was like, like, Buff, you got to tell me that like the, you know, it was yeah, a random like, game of chess. <laughs> and I looked at him. I'm like, how do you know Craig Kelly? He's like, oh, I was his private guide over in Iran with Ari Markopoulos. We just did this great trip. I'm like, thanks. Thanks for telling me, dude. Like, okay. Hi, Craig Kelly. Nice to meet you. And he's like, let's have a game of chess. Like, <laughs> pressure's on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blow it, Pensero. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then, and then. I got another mentor out of the deal with did, Craig. Did you beat him at chess? Or did he I have you? no memory you whatsoever. It was just like, so okay. You gave him the pitch and he was in, though. I didn't give him the pitch. It was really, you know, I was I was saying, like, now now that I instantly became an old guy somehow, maybe over COVID, I, I aged like 10 years. <laughs> but I look back at it and, like, I think that idea of not, knowing what it was and being really open about not knowing what it was and asking the universe and smart people for direction helped me find out what it was. So I wasn't coming to him with some big idea. I was coming to him with like, what do you think of snowboarding at a place where we would have snowboards on the wall and a fucking, you know, art scene. And it resonated with him for sure. And I was like, what if the guides actually pick the lines and they don't stop at the, front of a fucking flat so you have to take your board off and hike across while some ski guide's like mm, okay snowboard how many snowboarders does it take to change a light bulb you know you're like fuck dude just guide me to the, to the <laughs> other side of that flat you ding dong uh that was a big one so we you know our original guides even you know ski guides i'm like if a snowboarder has to take his his or her snowboard off and hike across something you better be going back and putting the boot pack in for him that's bad in my opinion that's just bad guiding so like we We've kind of snowboarded up our our program, and it makes sense. It's better anyways, right? No so, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they just do that on purpose. <laughs> on the skiers stop at the beginning they of do. a flat. They do. They I totally to do. They do. Yeah. It's like a, you know, one of them. It's like, ha-ha. Yeah. Uh, no skiers. There's no skiers watching mom. No. Oh, well, there is. <laughs> there is, actually, and they love it. They love when we make, make fun of them, I guess. Well, I married one, and, and all I can say is she snowboards now all the time. So. <laughs> Does she still ski? Once in a while, and I'll tell you, it's it's a very exciting, you know, my wife is an amazing person, and she is a really good skier. She was like a ski racer for Sierra Nevada, oh, yeah, and won so all sorts good. of stuff. She knows how to ski, and there's something kind of, when I see her ski. <laughs> this guy's got a ski fetish. <laughs> I kind of do, yeah. She's just so confident. It's the confidence. I mean, to watch, uh, I don't know, I mean, just to watch anybody with that much confidence, and that's what we're all about with backcountry snowboarding and, and backcountry skiing and stuff. But boy, you put the ski racer mentality on, on like a red mountain on a groomer where it's just fall away. And they're like, it's pretty, I can't do that on a snowboard. No yeah. Way. Yeah. They can hammer some groomers. Can, I'll oh, give them that. Well, one thing too, I want to, I've been curious about the whole time we've been talking is you have this, you have this giant 
vision, or maybe it's not giant. You have this moldable vision of what it is, but it requires a tremendous amount of capital mm. to get this thing. So how the hell did you go and say, hey, we need some money for this lodge? Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin. I bought Bitcoin. Oh, you did Bitcoin. Was it NFT? I bought I bought Tesla in '98. <laughs> Before it was even. A I thing. got an inside tip, but yeah, that that did really well for me. So I just paid cash. For it. Oh, you did. Okay. I didn't even write it down. Oh, I don't yeah. know how much I awesome. Uh The cash story. Jesus. All right. All right. All right. We're gonna get into business. This is here. business uh, mentorship 101. I mean, people need to figure hear this stuff. So okay. Here's the thing. We're gonna talk about. It doesn't sound like you had a lot of money. No. I did not have a lot of money, but I did, but I did. I was able to leverage what I had to the maximum amount. And, um, I think as an entrepreneur, it's like, if you don't, if you're not all in, you're not even in the game. And so if it's your idea, you better burn through everything you have before you ask for the privilege of spending somebody else's money. There has to be this respect in that thing. It's your idea. You go take the second mortgage on your house before you go trying to sell some shit. Like you, you, you know, don't get yourself in trouble because that's not a great place to negotiate from. But, you know, so, all right. So I worked for K2 and I got uh, some sub lines, you know, I did like uh, those eight ball stomp pads and like mm -hmm. leashes. We had to have leashes back then, sunglasses. And I got to keep the the money from that. And I had summer jobs. I did guy with jo truck. I worked at the golf course. So I say I was a saver, was a saver. So I had like maybe $40,000 saved up in 90 six or 97. And then my dad passed away, which was really sad. And I inherited a little bit of money from that and, or whatever. It's, it's weird to say that I didn't inherit a swimming. I didn't build a swimming pool or anything. Right? There was no <laughs> private jets involved or anything like that. But I used that plus the money I had saved. And I put a down payment on a house in Kings beach in Lake Tahoe. So I think I put $60,000 down on $180,000 house which I was like, I'm going to live in this house the rest of my life. Killer shack in Kings Beach. Kings Beach. You yeah. know, just love it, right? Smart place it. to buy right there. I, I hear it's actually the only place that hasn't really appreciated. Oh, really? <laughs> but um, long story short, I just kind of kept working on that place and fixed it up. In all my spare time, I dug, a, I hand dug a basement, a, a basement in it and then made another couple bedrooms down there. And like, Redid the kitchen like we all do, right? So I caught the equity going up in the house. And at that time, you were allowed to take these home equity loans. So I had a mortgage. And then I got my first home equity loan. And then a friend of mine was a mortgage broker. And she's like, do you know about stated income, you know, mortgages? I'm like, no. Well, long, I say this a lot. But, like, the long story short is that's what caused the first financial meltdown was, like, all these people were lying people about money. how much money that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I make $500,000 yeah. a year. Give me $200,000 line of credit. And, and they would do it. I did it a couple few times, some different companies, and I was just burning that money to figure out how to do this. Wow. And I figured, and I was watching how it was appreciating, and at the time, it, real estate was appreciating kind of like now, like, my $180,000 house was all of a sudden worth, like, two twenty five. And then it was worth like 275. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep borrowing so that if if I shit the bed, I'll sell the house and I'll get out clean, but I'm going to just She so kept taking the equity. I kept going all As in. As the equity went up, oh, give me another that was 30, it. give me 50. Give I me. did it 3 <laughs> times and I started getting a little squirrely, but then we got the tenure. And then Craig came into my life and buff and I was like, what I'm not going to take it. This adventure is too good to give up on. You know what I mean? Like and that's my advice is like, you're not dead till you're dead. 
the fear of being dead is what makes you awesome. And so many people fold so easily with the fear of being dead. And it's like, no, 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 that's the juice. You should be scared you're about to go out of business all the time. Scrappy, you know? Put that head down and put seven, 10 years into it and then tell me it's a failure. Don't tell me it's a failure after six months or two years or whatever. Like Six months is a blink of an eye. It's hard, man. Starting a business three times harder costs three times as much as you think it's going to going into it. So... You know, you spend every penny as if it's like precious. You know, we ate ramen noodles and and bought the Carl Budding, you know, discount meats from the store for years, you know, (laughs) but every one of those dollars that you stretch in the early days is huge money in the later days by saving equity and doing all these things. So, so I pretty much went all in and then we got the tenure and then I just didn't have enough money anymore, but I was remodeling my house again in Tahoe and the electrician uh, was this guy named Brian, also known as the Tuna Man. And he was really into that band, Hot Tuna. Toured around with him. So you called him the Tuna Man? He was the Tuna Man. <laughs> been to like 400 shows. And uh, he starts telling me about, I, I'm talking to him while I'm pulling cable in the basement, trying to, you know, pull the electrical and he's doing the hookups. He's like, that's a great idea, man. Snowboarding Lodge, BC, chasing your girl out there. Like you're living the fucking dream. This is amazing. Your story's great. You got a business plan? Yeah. Let me get a copy of it. So he took a copy of my business plan. And back in my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe this guy's like really loaded or he wants to invest. Everybody you talk to when you're starting a business is like, oh, you know. Yeah, they all want to hear about it. I wonder if this guy will give me 50 grand to keep the fucking train on the tracks for another week, you know. (laughs) So Tuna Man. Tuna Man. Ends up taking my business plan to this rich guy's house in Lake Tahoe, in Incline Village, and puts my business plan on this serial entrepreneur's desk that he knows. And this guy's name is Rob Lohan. He was my first partner. And he was awesome. Oh, wait, that's not fair. So I can go back. Well, anyways, Rob became my partner. And Rob was my first, like, you got to do a lot more work on this before you can start asking for a lot of money. He's like, I need six months, nine months, one year, three year, five year, 10 year plans. What's your exit strategy? What? How much of this is that? How much? Of, and he made me, like, really understand that a lot better. And and like I said, Fraps, my business partner back then was with me every step of the way through all this stuff. We were just like, we were a great team. And so, um, yeah, Rob came on previous to that. It wouldn't be fair to say that like right after I ran out of money, it was like November and we had the tenure. We had a couple chainsaws. We were like cutting down trees, making some cat roads. We didn't know anything that we were doing and we didn't have a snow cat. And so my good buddy, Arlie, who was in the story a little earlier, who told me to drive west and go see Paula, who is Arlie's the man, he calls up his buddy, Nate Mendel, and who's the bass player for the Foo Fighters. Uh-huh. And Nate calls up Dave, and next thing I know, Nate and Dave write us checks just enough so we can buy our first super bagged out used snowcat. So I went from like nothing to like I got the girl, I got Buffery on board. I got Fraps. I got Craig Kelly telling me what to do. And then now that my first money was the Foo Fighters. So it was Dave Grohl. Yeah, it was Dave. It, it was Dave and Nate. Because he loves snowboarding, right? He didn't give a shit, I don't think. I only met him once. Super nice guy. But I think it was because Nate. Nate Mendel is a snowboarder through and through. Yeah. Loves the sport. Has a great. He's a really good snowboarder. Like, he probably could have done some stuff in snowboarding. And uh, I think he just talked Dave into it. And Nate still comes to this day. Nate is wow. like a brother for sure. Love that guy. 
So they came in, we bought our first snowcat. Then I got Rob to come in. And that was the idea of like, let's get some real money, build a lodge, do all this stuff. Rob had done very well with the software company, sitting on a good chunk of change and pretty excited to do some cool things. So like, <laughs> And then I go to an architect, we drop this lodge plant, had an observation tower in it, a pinball machine room. Like I designed this lodge. <laughs> I still have it. I drool over it all the time. And it was going to be like, $3.8 million to build this lodge in, in 2000. And I'm like, all right, Rob, can we have $3.8 million? Well, no, we'll, we'll put this much up and you got to get this much in debt and let's get a partner. You know, Rob was great, right? Okay. And we're getting it going and I'm sell. So I sell the season out. We're going to build this lodge. And we're literally building a road through the woods up to where the lodge site is. There's nothing there. Right. And so we're excavator bulldozer, like, like, you know, burning cash, building this road. And I got a commitment from the contractor. That's Terry Maglio. And then I got Rob on board with the money and then the bank and everything's great. And then I sell four days a week to a German tour group. I'm like killing it. Right. And then September 11th happens. Oh. And I mean, being up here, it's just like, wait, what? And then it's like, wait, what is the world at war or what? What were you guys? You guys weren't even old enough to know. Maybe you were. I was in school. I remember in school. I was in. It school. was a trip, man. Yeah, it was a it, trip. It, yeah. You go back, and it's like it was definitely a big adjustment. And um, I was like, "Fuck it, we we gotta go," you know. But then Rob was like, "Yeah, I'm not so comfortable right now with writing big checks and the banking system, and legitimately, like, I maybe we should just like tone this shit down, you know." And I'm like, "I already sold the." season like we got to do this thing do this thing so that's how we toned it down as we built the 40 by 40 timber frame that you see now the first one and we we bought atco trailers and dragged atco trailers up on there and uh that was the first year we didn't even get siding on the lodge we didn't have flooring in it like we didn't have shit like Did those it germans was, come up then the germans cancel i was gonna say because the germans probably didn't want to get on the planes so then then they cancel and i'm like oh my god so then it turns into I came down to, let's see, I can't remember the timing of it, but I remember I came down to Squaw early season and I went to Kinko's and I got 1,600 flyers made that said, for the same price as coming to Squaw for the weekend, you could be going to British Columbia to the newest, raddest place to come check out. And it was like a picture of Fawcett, like carving a turn, but it was a Xerox, right? Yeah. And I put it under 1,600 windshields and we sold the rest of the season out. Where did you put them? Squaw Valley. Wow. It was unbelievable. And that turned into this legacy of like, we've got customers still from the Bay Area and from that, that were like, fuck yeah, I'm never going to miss a year. Are you kidding me? You know? Mm -hmm. um, so it was a lot of scrappiness back then, putting it all together. So you ask about the business thing. So then it's like, then it turns into this thing where you got to have this thing called cash flow, which a lot of business people don't seem to think is important these days, but like, you got to have cash flow coming through. You can lose money as you're building something big, but you got to learn how to run the books and how to expense things and how to do all that. So I've spent good two, three years like pouring more money in from cash flow, but understanding how cash flow works and like what's available and what's not and like what's committed, but is in the bank now, but you better not spend it because you got, you know, it's like all this kind of stuff. So we spent a few years doing that and then we got, enough good years under our belt that we were able to talk to a real bank. And that was the business development bank of Canada, which is kind of like the SBC here. That's small business corporation. So they help small businesses take that. Once they feel like you've put a pound of flesh in, then you get a, a bank to kind of come in and start loaning you real money to build things on a long-term basis. 
And so we got the BDC to come on as a partner and they started helping a lot. And we had a, we decided that we wanted to expand from 24 to 36. And that's when we built the cabins and we built the kitchen and everything on the back. So we, in 2006, we did a big expansion to 36. And that's when I noticed the cash flow started being enough to cover all the expenses. With 24, we really were just losing money every year. The 24 rooms? 24 guests. Two cats. Yes, gotcha. So two cats in the lodge, it was really hard to make it like a great a great case to the bank. So we were like, if we could add one more cat, more accommodation, then all of a sudden there's some money in this thing. So they helped us and we built the seven chalets and we built a big addition on the lodge. And then we built one giant roof over all the Atco trailers. And uh, we ran like that for like five, six years. And that was great. And the cash flows came up and we were able to start paying off some debt. And like, it was like starting to turn into a real business. How many employees at this point? Probably like 60, 70 at that point. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole nother trip. But uh, to finish my my cheddar biscuits uh, on the way to glory, powder glory, we... <laughs> All for powder glory Well, here. this is where it gets interesting <laughs> because um, I had Travis out. I was getting to know him back then. Travis Rice for the listeners. Travis Rice because he was filming Art of Flight in the area. And every once in a while, we'd have some random interaction doing things like putting Pat Moore on a snowmobile and trying to send him across a lake. And, you know, Travis always has interesting ideas. But they're fun. So <laughs> Travis had this idea he wanted to do the next version of his Jackson contest. And we were looking for terrain. And then the pieces of the puzzle started coming together. And we were like, let's do this thing on on Scary Cherry. We're going to take the summer and Red Bull put a bunch of money in. And Travis raised a bunch of money. And then we hired Lumberjacks. And, and we started building that course, which was a, that could be a whole other podcast. But it was just an amazing experience building that. Um, so we built that. And or we, we were making the winter plans to build that. And then Todd Jones booked the lodge in April like this, or May, to build a, the world's biggest gap jump on cherry tops for Tom Wallace and a couple of skier guys. Mark Carter and DCP actually showed up too. And we built a huge quarter pipe. In the, it was a really fun project. We had JP uh, Martin up there working. And so we're doing all this work and getting ready for all this stuff. And then hockey's on up there. And, and the Canucks were actually in the playoffs that year, which is like really dates it and uh we're watching the i wasn't there they're watching the canucks game it's going into overtime and they start hearing these snapping noises from the lodge like crazy snapping noise and they're like what the fuck was that what the fuck was that um well it was the trusses in the roof that new roof that we built well it was six years old but the roof that was built over all the echo trailers was starting to fail from almost 45 feet of snow that was on the ground that year or 15 on the ground, 45 had fallen. So on our roof, wind loaded was almost 30 feet of snow in May, and it started failing. And so on Mother's Day, the lodge collapsed, and we lost the whole lodge. And uh, Well, not the whole lodge, the whole sleeping part of the lodge. And uh, I had Travis booked for the next year with this huge contest, and Todd was coming the next day. And I was like a mess. You know, I was like, hold Paula had just had the twins too. So we had like four kids, two new twins. It's Mother's Day. And then our business like literally collapsed. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a shitty day. But um, I called Todd first. And I'm like, dude, I don't think we can do this. The, the lot, dude, the, you know, hard to even say now. It's like the lot fucking collapsed last night, right? Todd's like, no way, we're coming. Well, he's like, everyone's on their way here. We're going, we're coming. 
I'm like, Todd, we don't even have like beds or anything. He goes, you got those cabins. We'll stay in those cabins. We'll cook food in the thing. He's like, hey, man, you're going to rebuild that thing, and you're going to wish it was in TGR's movie, and you're going to wish you were doing all this shit. So let's fucking do this. We'll make it awesome. We'll make you look like a rock star. Like, the, oh, all right, let's give it a try. I mean, this is May 20th, and I have to build a whole fucking lodge by December? That's insane. Without planning or money or, you know, nothing. Architects, yeah. I'm like, okay, I started adapting this mindset. And Travis, God, Travis Rice, God bless him. Like he never gave up in that whole thing. He was like one of the biggest cheerleaders. And and Mark Carter and Brian Aguchi and kind of that squad rallied so, and snowboarding rallied so hard. Burton booked a whole cat. They, they heard about it. They're like, we'll take a whole cat at the end of the season if it helps. We'll pay for it right now. Like a tons of that. Snowboarder Magazine, Chief did that. Chief like, did that. Chief did a lot. Um, Chief's the man. But a lot of the companies, Volcom, all these people we work with just started stepping up and booking more and more trips. And, and we, I don't know, a lot, I get, there's a really long Does story, insurance but, cover snow stacking up? And It was hard. Yeah, it does. But then there's, they have to do a huge investigation and then assign the blame to whoever fucked it up before that. You know, it's a yeah. long thing. So they love to pass the blame. Yeah. But we, yeah, we definitely navigated the insurance legal waters and got what we were entitled to out of it and then rebuilt rebuilt the beautiful lodge that we have now. And then we did get to have Supernatural that year and show the whole world, like, what we had built. And it was like, God, that was a fun time. That was a crazy fun time. That sounds intense. Um, so amazing. we kept growing, and now we're four cats, and we are paying off debt, like, you know, good. COVID was super gnarly last year to for a business like mine to lose an entire year of revenue. You had to but shut down, huh? I still had a lot of expenses last year because my crew is big, and I have a big office crew, and I got a lot of people that I love and care about. So we kept the train on the tracks as much as we could. But man, that was a hard. That COVID, if you know a small business person and they made it through it, they're still struggling right now. Like we're just getting our heads back to where we should be from two years ago, right now. Wow. And I look at. Like, we're full, and I kind of know what I'm doing right now. But, uh, man, for people starting off to get a kick in the nuts like that, it's just my heart goes out to the small business people right now because there's all this help for business and help for government people. Help, There's no help for the small business person. We're just out there on our own. So, All right, we got to take a quick break and talk about one of our sponsors, Bub's Naturals. Now, uh, as you can see here, we got a big old thing of collagen. Uh, it's a powder protein, and I just broke my collarbone and I've been taking four scoops a day. I got it in my coffee in here, put it in my, my uh, oatmeal in the morning. I'll make a shake. But basically if you want to heal quickly, you got to get collagen in your system. Uh, one of the coolest things about Bub's Naturals is a company that comes from snowboarding. Sean Lake, the founder used to be a big part of DC. You know, they got, a, they support us. They support snowboarding. This isn't just a random supplement company. They also make like apple cider vinegar uh, gummies that are really good buds. I know he likes to hammer those Love things. Love those things. Yeah. We eat them like candy here at the office. And if you're getting older and you want to keep snowboarding, you want to come back from an injury, you got to get collagen in your system. I got to get some collagen in my system. I'm going to call Sean this afternoon. Yeah. Call so Sean. I see if I can get some. Yeah. He'll lay. Because I'm he'll, old he'll and I'm broken. Up. Yeah. Right. You want to keep, keep you out there longer, right? Absolutely. Keep 100%. those joints lubed up. And then snowboarders should just support snowboard companies. So if you're interested in uh, supporting Bub's Naturals, you can head on over to their website. I believe it's bubnaturals.com. If not, type it in Google. And use promo code BOMBHOLE, and I believe <gasps> you get 15% off. That's right. And uh, then again, you're, you're snowboarders supporting snowboarders, supporting a good cause. So with that being said, let's jump right back in 
to Jeff Pensiero here. So uh, Sean Lake of Bubs Naturals actually was a pro snowboarder back in the day. And on our first trip, this would have been 99, 2000, uh, he was on the first heli uh, mission we ever did to take pictures with Sean Sullivan, Craig, and Dave Rogers. And it was a hilarious, amazing, amazing trip to be able to fly around with those guys and watch them perform. And Sean was a real, he still is a really good snowboarder. Let's give him an air horn. Sean. Um, so uh, one thing I, I do have to ask too, because you're, you're, you're kind of going through this like not taking no for an answer mentality of like we're making the lodge happen. You keep hitting these hurdles. You keep grinding through. And uh, I, I don't know, this is kind of a corny question, but do you have any advice for the, the people out there that are like, I want to start my brand or I'm starting a brand and they're, and they're, they're trying to get through it? Yeah, I mean, I I had the mindset of like great great things happen to people all the time. You hear about people winning the lottery and you know like hitting hitting it in business and things. And I just kept having the mindset like, why not me? Like, why doesn't that good shit happen to me? And then I started seeing that really good shit was happening to me all the time, and really focusing on those wins and not really focusing. I I expected to screw everything up. I expected to go out of business trying and then go get another job. And I think as an entrepreneur, you should have that that ability to dig a bit deeper than you know you can and find the positives and really hold on to those. Those little wins turn into huge gains over the years. And uh, it's hard. Being an entrepreneur is really, really hard. And you're just constantly failing is really what it is. And you're holding on to these little nuggets to get you through it. But you got to have that belief in yourself that, you know, if you're honest and you're authentic and you're really trying to do something that's real, not necessarily to make money, um, you know, you'll succeed. You just have to keep trying and don't get too held up on what it is and and all these expectations. You got to just be present, be with it and and let it become what it's supposed to become instead of what you want it to become or think it's going to become. Well said. Too many people focus on those negatives and let them just take them down and they can't move forward from it and can't get past it. Yeah, I mean, be critical. Learn the lesson. Move on. Don't make the same mistake two, three, four times. Like that's, you know, you recognize it. You get into patterns and you're not doing things right. And you got to own it, make some changes, adjust, and, you know, have your goal be to be a a really well-learned 50-year-old that's had a lot of ups and downs and made it through instead of somebody who quit at this and quit at that and, and circumstances got you on this one. It's like, well, fight, fight hard or get a job for someone else. It'd be really good at helping them achieve their vision. Like my staff, the people I work with are the best people. I've, I'm so lucky for all the people that I work with much like you guys. Right. And, uh, you know, they bring in so many ideas and so much perspective that as a, as the guy kind of steering the ship, you got to just listen all the time and hear these nuggets and then steer the ship accordingly. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think that it seems like you're somebody, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, you're very passionate about like snowboarders taking over snowboarding. Like uh, it seems like you want to see snowboarders, like their businesses go grow and thrive. Like to just give you an example, you know, a few, maybe a year ago, I don't know how long ago, you sent us a check for $1,000 from Baldface. And I was like, what do you want? We can do at, he's like, we're sold out. We don't need that. It's just, I just like what you're doing. Just here you go. Yeah. And, and that is like, th- that speaks to your character. You literally just cash in a check for bald face. They don't want anything on the set. You don't want anything in return. Just here you go. 
And I, do you want to speak on that at all? I just like, I can go back to 10 of those that happened to me, you know, snowboarder magazine supported us, Burton, Fulcom, Stance, Mizu. I mean, I'm forgetting 10 right now, really like lots of companies could have gone done their sales meeting in Vail or wherever they came. They supported us. They showed up, they showed up with product and shooting photos there and like helping out. And so when I get the opportunity to see what you guys are doing specifically right now, I think you're doing a great job. And I really enjoy the podcast and I enjoy the culture that you're maintaining here and the positivity that comes out of these is amazing. And, and allowing, you know, blue to tell his story was transformative for me to hear it. Hearing Jess Kamira tell her story was like, God, I, I just am a changed person because of it. So I want to give you guys every opportunity and I'm not looking for something for me so much. Not that it's bad to, but we're good. We're totally good. If snowboarding's good, we're going to be good. I just want to support, I'm going to get a million Instagram messages. Like, can I have a thousand dollars? This is my business. Check this out. <laughs> I'll see you, you know, yeah. but I've done that on a, a few things. You know, there's a group called the indigenous youth life skills Academy out of um, Squamish. And um, these guys are unbelievable. And they're bringing kids that never get a chance to get into the mountains. Like they just don't get a chance and they live in the mountains. Their culture is the mountains, their heritage, their history is intertwined. And these people are like excluded from our scene. So I'm like, no, no, no. That's our number one thing now. Like mm -hmm. we support Indigenous Youth Life Skills Academy everywhere we can with everything we can. All of the rental boards that companies are so generous to send us. You know, it would be really easy to sell those at the end of the season, get a little cash, th throw a staff party or something. But we give them to the Indigenous Youth uh, Life Skills Academy and they do an auction and a sale and then they buy lift tickets for kids and they buy equipment for kids and they give them the bindings and they do stuff. And it's like, doesn't that feel good? Isn't that the right thing to do? Like Changing those kids' lives right there. You know, and, and we can do things like pick one thing and try to make a real difference, really get involved instead of like, we used to kind of spread, you know, giving. Giving is a really important part of having a business and giving people that extra little bit. Maybe I can be that little nugget that made that one entrepreneur's day or that one kid's day that changes the course just enough, right? You gotta I look for those openings. Patreon question that you kind of just answered as one way you do this, but Buck <sighs> Chapman says, with accessibility being a major issue in snowboarding, how does a very exclusive and sought-after place like Bald Place help bring more people to our sport? Yeah, I mean, I think it's exactly that, and it's supporting um, youth initiatives everywhere we can, and I... You know, even if it's just sending some hoodies and, and some stuff for a silent auction, we try to support things like that wherever we can. And, you know, all the bald face kids are encouraged to snowboard. So we try to help get them their, their start. And mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. How are we going to increase participation in our sport? But I just spent a weekend at Powder Mountain here in Utah. And I really, you know, cockeyed optimist, but like, there's a lot of places to go snowboarding that are awesome. And I'm sorry the Vail's coming in and making tickets $200. And we all want to complain about $18 cheeseburgers and stuff. But shit, you can go to the Salmo Ski Hill for, I think it's $4 for a kid, $17 for an adult, ride a tow rope, teach your kids how to shred, give them the experience of being out. There's lots of mom and pop uh, uh, hills. And I think we should change our expectation that a ski vacation is a luxury condo with the sushi dinner and we're going to rent stuff. It's like, nah, man, there's hoodoo in Oregon. There's like, I could name, we could all name 10, right? Mm -hmm. But there's still lots of places to go. And we're telling the story that Vail or whatever big company is ruining snowboarding and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well don't, 
go there then. Go to one of these yeah, mom we, and pops, we, man. You grew up going to the golf course. It's, That's it. It's like yeah, exactly. little jumps on the golf course. Somewhere it snows, you go out in the hill and you figure it out. And well, I'll tell you these things right here are these He's are pointing to a pow surfer for the listeners. This is a pow surfer, and this is something I'm really into. And I do it in you know big mountains in British Columbia and powder and stuff. But even at Powder Mountain, we were doing pretty pedestrian terrain, having a great time with people who hadn't done it before. And really, you want to have a good time, make one. Buy one of those from one of these small small snowboarding guys who are making these things. There's a lot of local guys making powder surfers. And go drive up a road and go between the road and go do some pow laps. It's super fun. <laughs> Nothing stopping you from doing it. It's mm-hmm. pretty much free. Um, granted, you know, you're, you know, Take your avalanche class before going into the backcountry. Yeah, and have those a beacon are- and go with a partner, and we can go deep into that. But um, you know, road shots are awesome. You know, well said. And 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 to add to your, you know, to to dive into that too, to kind of change gears. You know, I know that you helped you and Pat Moore put together um, the what's it called risk, risk maturity. maturity risk maturity Bu- class. Buff name that one. Yeah, great name. <laughs> and you guys, you know, a bunch of snowboarders um, in the industry and stuff go up and and do a full week long or mm-hmm. week long course and and uh and i know you you do it for you know cheap basically mm-hmm. uh, not what a, a person would, would pay and that's kind of a cool no we did it was billy anderson and i were talking when he was at volcom with pat moore at the bar and uh, we all got together in the early season and it's just seemed like there were so many close call stories and i think there was that was the year jeremy got um his legs broken and it was no, it was a couple of years before that, but there was like another close call out here where somebody got pretty broken off, and and we kept hearing these stories, and the commonality was like, God, in retrospect, I I should have seen that, you know, we saw we saw some hints, but we kept pushing. Um, we wanted to get there first before the other crew, you know, we had built that kicker three days ago, it snowed on it, and we really wanted to get there first, and and that ambition, kind of, they didn't really see that they were putting themselves in harm's way. So we decided that we really wanted to start educating our community, specifically targeting snowboarders coming up, include team managers so they understand the importance of recurrent training, and uh, photographers and videographers. And so we said, let's let Pat kind of spearhead this thing and choose who is on the come up, who needs a little tune-up, maybe who had some close calls and could share some of those experiences with the rest of the group, create this like open place where we could like be vulnerable and talk about things we screwed up and maybe people who got hurt because of decisions we made. Like it's been an amazing, amazing course for 10, almost 10 years now. And we've gotten many people who have sat in this chair have come to that class and experienced it. And yeah, I'm not looking to make money on it. We cover our costs on it. It's the first trip of the year. So sometimes the snow's there, sometimes it's not, but we concentrate on things like improvised rescue how to call for help, how to stabilize somebody. So there's a lot of first aid. They all take a real deal first aid, a, a, a long first aid class. I think it's three days. And then, um, no, I think it's five days. And then they learn uh, quite a bit of avalanche skills, like as far as uh, identifying forms and, and and kind of learning how the snowpack works and how to identify sketchy things. And then quite a bit is just sharing sharing information and experiences. We've had Jeremy there talking about in detail, in tears about his, um, his incident out, out kind of by Powder Mountain. Yep. And um, I mean, we've had good God, Travis talked about his thing. So there's kind of keynote things at night and they're always super heavy and super rad. Sometimes um, it's really cool that we're up there and nobody leaves because we're, you know, somebody puts on a really heavy talk 
but we're all still sitting in the room afterwards. There's no like going to the bar afterwards or whatever. So it creates this really cool opportunity for everybody to get a chance to have some, you know, meaningful conversations about things that, that can elevate our community. Like to me, after losing some really good friends um, in the backcountry, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that. I got this great lodge and all these guides and all this knowledge. Like, let's take care of this right here. Here's one thing we can do, you know? And to the guides, Buff and Dem and Silas and everyone, Joel, everyone who's worked on that class, I don't, I don't hear so many calls about these close calls. I hear when we get back together, like, check it out. We pulled out of this. <laughs> we pulled out of this at Brandywine. There was a bunch of groups going up there and we were like, yeah, you shouldn't go. We dug and we saw this. Like, I really believe we've made like a, substantial um, improvement to the safety of our community. hundred percent. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about spyoptic.com. Now, summer is almost here. And you know what you need for summer is some eye protectors, some sunglasses. So good news is Spy has all kinds of new killer styles out there to keep you looking fresh all summer long. You can shop the new 70s inspired hotspot and the 90s-inspired Hangout, both made from 50% plant-based materials, along with the entire sunglass line at spyoptic.com. Best part is, we got a promo code for you. Use code BOMBHOLE15. BOMBHOLE15, all capitals, 1-5 at checkout, and you will save 15% off your entire purchase. So why not support a brand that supports the show and head on over to spyoptic.com. Use promo code BOMBHOLE15. I have a guest question from Mark Fawcett here. Here we go. Hey, JP. Mark Fawcett here. Has there been an instance or instances since the lodge was built where you thought financially or otherwise this operation might be doomed? <laughs> and was there a thank God remedy? Mark Fawcett is the thank God remedy for every <laughs> ailment on the planet. I just love Mark so much. Uh, when we started and I had no money, I didn't have a vehicle. My guy with truck kind of killed my truck. <laughs> Fawcett was literally traveling on the World Cup for the whole winter and said, I have a Dodge 2500. You can drive it all winter and use it. That was the truck we used up here forever. And he, like, I just paid his lease payments for him and we used that truck and then we ended up totaling it. And he was like, eh, okay, cool guys, I get it. And then he became a guide up there. He was one of the first guides up there. And I mean, I hold Mark, if you've ever met him, he is that one of the best people you'll ever meet in your life. I mean it. He, he has supported us since day one, you know. Anyways, yes, often I have worried that we have shit the bed. But uh, often, often, often. But like I said before, it's just like – it. it you're not dead till you're dead. If you know, if you're thinking that you're dead, you're not actually dead. Like dead people don't think anymore. So you, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, Mark all the time. And was there a thank God moment? Tons. I mean, when Travis came in and brought the contest to, and I got to do something with, I had Craig in my life and then I got Travis in my life and both of them had like pretty lit up ideas about what to do. And so to be able to do that, those are huge aha moments. You know what I mean? Like, watching my relationship with Jamie over the last bunch of years this is like Jamie Lynn. For those Jamie Lynn. He just had a baby with Deanie. And when I first met Jamie, he, I would not have guessed he'd be having a baby at 48 with 
Dini and this baby Thalo is a gorgeous little example of what love looks like in your hands. And Jamie was like going through some shit when I first met him. And I really feel like we have, I have this relationship with this guy who I've put on a pedestal since long before I met him. And I have such an authentic brotherly relationship and he's living up in Nelson. I'm so honored. Um, not only that is Jamie Lynn and he's a big snowboard icon and everything, but to know him and to get close and go fishing and like fuck around and my kids hang out with them and we're, he's like part of our family. I'm like, you want about, that's as big an aha moment. Every time Jamie comes over and I get to experience that and I'm yeah, tons, tons of aha moments. Like, yeah, we're going to make it. Look at that. <laughs> you know, love it. Now you were mentioned um, fatherhood with Jamie, and I happen to have a guest question from your daughter Estelle. No. Hey, Dad, it's Estelle. I have a question for you about how you manage being a dad and running both ways at the same time. Oh, that's a good one, sweetie. Um, how do I manage it? I don't know. How do I manage it? Estelle? <laughs> yeah, I'm not get sure. a rating system. How does how does he do? <laughs> I find that like. The kids, the kids have taught me more than anything. And if you don't have them, it's really hard. Like, it's like this thing that parents know. It's like being an entrepreneur. Like, that baby gets sick or that baby's uncomfortable or whatever it is. Like, you don't, you can't just throw it out the window. Like, you got to hold on tight and stick with it through the hard times and know that you're going to have a great kid at the end of it. And you're going to fuck some things up and you're going to hit some home runs and, Estelle is a great example. Like, I am so proud of my daughter. I have another daughter, Lucy, who's coming up. She's 16. She is so lit up and on fire right now. It's, it's, I stand in awe of those girls. And then we had twins a few years later. Um, and they're 11, Enzo and Penny. And they, I get to experience this sweet little 11 year old still. I got, I'm like older now and I still get my, my dad snuggles and stuff. Although my older girls give me my snuggles too, but. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm balancing anything. I feel like I'm just learning, 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 and, and unfortunately constantly screwing up, but but moving up that ladder as a dad too. It's, it is a really fun thing to be a dad of these great kids for sure. Love that. Love the fatherhood advice always. Now, uh, I kind of want to change gears a little bit because I know that there's been some big time celebrities that have come up to Baldface. Everybody loves everybody loves celebs. Oh yeah, you know uh, I've heard stories of Lewis Hamilton. Oh my God, F one yeah. driver who just is the coolest dude ever in my life. Oh yeah, How's I'm it? the hugest F one fan now. I wake up at like three o'clock in the morning because I can't <laughs> even wait for the PVR. I, I'm like on the. There's certain guys on Instagram, Sean Tidor. There's some guys that are like. Super into F1, and we're all in this. Like, Billy Anderson started an F1 fantasy league. Yep. It all came from Ken bringing Lewis out to the lodge. <laughs> and, all right, funny Lewis story is they come off the helicopter. I'm upstairs in the lodge, and then, oh, hey, Lewis, it's nice to meet you. And Ken, yeah, hey, Ken, what's up? You know, saying hey. And then Jamie, who lives at the lodge all the time, used to before his dad, just goes strolling by and goes downstairs. And Lewis looks over at him. He goes, what's that, Jamie Lynn? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm his biggest fan. No, I love his, I love his method without gloves. I'm like, you're, you're a big fan. He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, well, you want to meet him? Yeah. <laughs> so wow. I took him downstairs and I'm like, hey Jamie, you want to help Lewis set up a snowboard? You know? Yeah, sure. I'll help Lewis. Yeah. Hey Lewis, what do you do? Lewis is like, I'm a race car driver. Jamie goes, I got a car collection. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like where I left it. 
and I come back down and, and they're totally gearheading out talking about like what transmission was in a 44 that you could switch into a Packard and do this and that. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> wow. And so they were like partners the whole time. And, uh, Lewis was a hell of a guy. Great guy. Legendary. What about uh, Woody Harrelson? Woody was awesome. Woody. Yeah, we actually got a helicopter that day, and, and or one of those days, and we go out, and I was like Woody's partner. He's not the strongest snowboarder. He's obviously done a lot of athletic things in his life, but also a lot of, you know, his, his interests are all over the place. Really into playing ping pong, like super into playing table tennis. And then he showed up in a coat. With like the like that a New Yorker might buy for a really cold day, like long cut with fur and like whalebone thing, you know? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what? What is that thing? <laughs> He's like, it's my coat. I got it. It lands in. They said this would be good for Canada. I was like, dude, that's good for like north of here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so he wore it, and we go out heli skiing, and he is after one run, we get dropped off at Sunny Out. He's just like. <laughs> sweating buckets. I'm like, oh my God, Woody, how's your coat? You know? She's like, oh man, this looks really hot. So the next day I got a full guide outfit and like put him in the guide outfit. I'm like, this stuff's called Gore-Tex. It's pretty sick. Try this out. (laughs) And he improved vastly after we did that. (laughs) Yeah, really nice guy. Really nice guy. Yeah. Well, I think it might be time to change gears to you know what, buds. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Name that video part. He's nervous for this one. Uh, name that video part. We currently don't have a sponsor for it, so it's presented by the Patreon members. If you guys are a Patreon member, this is a podcast supported by our sponsors, but also by the people. So you can find a link at uh, bombhole.com if you want to support us. Then we can say whatever the fuck we want. Wait, we don't you don't have a sponsor for name that video part? Yeah. Sometimes like they sponsor. We have sponsors that sponsor the segment. So name that video part sometimes. Just, just right find, now. We're going to find you a sponsor. Yeah. We've got to find you. We've got to get the right sponsor. Who's the right Who's the right sponsor for name that video part? Well, I see. Here's my take. I think the Patreon is because the less sponsor money we take, the more we can say whatever the fuck we want. That's true. And so, you know, you try to walk that balance where you you can kind of, uh, you know, say what you want and not piss anybody off. And that's the beauty of having a free media company. Well, there you go. All right. Well, now I know. <laughs> uh, so uh, that being said, what's your confidence level, zero through 10? My confidence level is um, TB3. Okay. As long as it's from TB3. Between TB3 and TB10, I'm like in the first three, maybe. I got it. Uh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm that. Well, we'll we'll see how you do. Godspeed. Here oh we go. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Oh, my God. Oof. He doesn't know. I can already tell you. He looks bewildered. I don't know. I just want to throw out an old movie name so that it maybe Do makes it. me look like I watched a lot of movies back in the day. Is it? For, can I just ask a couple of leading Sure, ones? yeah. Of course. Is it kind of like a Tahoe company, or was it more of a Northwest company? No, it's... Canadian? It, uh, I don't know. It's... Uh, they're Northwest. Uh, California, I think, is where this company is based out of. It's a... It's a clothing company that made the movie. Oh, oh God. 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 All right. There's good. a little crumb for you. Oh, is it a, a scramble? No. Pre, it's, pre, it's same production, but earlier. 919. No, that's Before after. that. Uh, 
The garden? It's the garden. You Woo! got it correct. Oh, you really helped me walk and down the road, though. There. Thank you. You got there. That's Terrier and Chet. Uh, yeah, that was a mini. great movie. We watched great it at segment. the Lodge not that long ago. It's a great movie. If you haven't watched yeah, it, I was going to say, the there garden. must be just videos playing at the Lodge. Once in a while, we do them upstairs no. when there's all old heads in there. Uh, Jared, I'm talking to you. We watch <laughs> uh, old head movies up there sometimes, and it's really fun. Oh, they're classic. And oh, you, yeah. It's like the, the intricacies of a back when he'd poke or like shifty get you you're like fuck that was why don't we do that more often yeah. like why is everybody building cheese wedges like that's the oh it's all good it's all good. um it's you actually so you got a prize pack from us uh oh. but we didn't we're gonna get you all the gear after uh we'll just make sure you get what you want instead of giving you some garbage you don't want hey, so congrats. i appreciate that thank you you don't have any garbage <laughs> back there it's all premium product actually yes. so uh name name that video part Part two is oh. for the listeners. Uh, so how they, they guess it, they go on Instagram. When your photo comes out uh, for your episode, that's where we select our winner. First comment with the correct video part gets a prize pack from the bomb hole. Here we go. Okay. That's I totally know who that. I know that one. <laughs> but I'm not, not. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to. <laughs> Everybody that was tries mine. that. Well, thank you guys for playing Name That Video Part. I got a quick Patreon question because we were just talking about wild guests you've had. And this is from, uh, and since they sponsor Name That Video Part, we'll give them a quick question. This is from Nicholas Vasquez. What's the weirdest, craziest request you received from a guest at the lodge? Had a legitimate request that i followed up on hard to get the foo fighters to play for a, a anniversary party at the lodge for a wealthy guy from toronto and i literally tried to make it happen but it didn't happen they can't land a 737 anywhere near enough to make it work. oh nelson can't nelson can't nelson can't castle guard can't so oh, they would no. have had to go to like Kelowna and then fly like it was like it was okay, just too much of a mission to get the band there well, and then they tried to actually, RIP, they tried to get Taylor Hawkins' band uh, Chevy Metal to come instead, and that was starting to happen, and then something happens. Mm. That was a pretty big request, though. That's I, a big request, yeah. And then I came up short on it, so I ended up playing guitar yeah. that night. I tried to learn a couple of Foo Fighters songs. but How'd you do? Great. Killed great. it. Killed it. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> it was great. Uh, so one thing we were talking about off air, I think that's kind of cool is you're like, you're kind of mentioning, you're like, Oh, it seems like you guys are doing really well with the bomb hole and people love it or whatever. And, and you're kind of our response is like for me and Bud's like, we don't really notice because we just are recording podcasts all the time. And then we're just constantly working on the next thing. And all of a sudden, like you pick your head up, and you're like, Oh, a couple of people are listening. Cool. Do you feel like that's kind of what's happened with the lodge where you're just, you're just constantly going i'm really in the moment up there and trying to concentrate on everybody's safety and the staff and the and the experience and the weather i'm always like super tuned in um so yeah it's hard to really get a it's hard for me to have a perspective on ball face at all but once in a while i'll have like a sweatshirt on or be traveling somewhere and i'll see pink flagging tape on a bag at like an airport or something and it's really trippy for me because we make everybody put pink flagging tape on their bag the day they leave so that we know which helicopter it goes on when it goes out. You have blue tape when you come in and then you have pink tape when you go out. And every once in a while when I'm traveling, I'll see pink tape and go up. And then it's like this huge reunion. And, and I realize the spread that we've had over the years. And some people leave their pink tape on like all year oh, yeah. long. I did. Yep. And I hear bald face homies being like, dude, I met uh, Chris in Cabo and he had pink tape and we ended up hanging <laughs> out. And it's like that, that part's really neat for me. 
And, um, you know, having the opportunity to come on a show like this, I did the air hole with Jody a little while ago and, and, um, airtime, airtime. Sorry. Yeah. I air holes. Another thing we got to, but to hear from people that maybe it moved the needle for them a little bit to kind of go back and tell my story or maybe connect with those people one-on-one and give them a little time. I just think it's, you talk about giving back and increasing participation. That's kind of how I feel about business is like, it's not a competition. Like I'm not in competition with you. You're not in competition no. with bridges. Like we're a gang. We're all in it together. It's us against rollerblading or against <laughs> golf or whatever you want to call it. But like we're snowboarding, man. Like we're, we're not fighting each other. Are you kidding me? We're brothers. Like that's not how it works. I did. The more we can foster that with everybody, the better this is. You know, I don't know. I'm not doom and gloom on the industry. I think it's, I hang out with everybody. And totally. We got great people in this industry. Absolutely. Are you pretty much booked up too, like a year in advance? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, that's a sign that things are working. Well, people rebook while they're there. I give them a chance to rebook for two weeks after they're there. And pretty much everybody rebooks it. So it's hard for new people to even come in. They got to go two years out. Well, you know, we went and bought another operation ah, called Valhalla, where we right. had the competition last year. And this was our first year of really kind of running it under our umbrella and man that place is the next it's the next step up in terrain for sure i've heard that but it's super raw dog like it's a long drive in there it's a lot of screwing around you get up there you get your runs in like seriously incredible terrain and then you got to go back out and muddy road and do all Mm -hmm. that stuff so over the next couple years we're gonna try to get some accommodation going up there improve some things, you know, kind of start working our way just like we do with Baldface, but hopefully at a little quicker pace and get to a spot where we can have some accommodation over there. And oh, make there's it no, no lodging up there and all that. No, you stay, most people stay in Nelson or the Airbnb in the Slocan Valley. And then go. Okay. Now, but uh, yeah, that place is, I'm plugging it because yes. it's going to be sold out in like a year. Dave Simnewski books it like pretty much every day anyways, so there's no room. <laughs> <laughs> He says fat tire uh, cruise. Fat tire really (laughs) understands that terrain now better than I do. I'd like to talk about something that's fascinating to me because I think maybe societally, we're going to get a little deep here, but societally, uh, you know, I think a lot of times people put emphasis on things, right? You're like, oh, I really want to get the new truck or car or fucking house or whatever. And you're chasing like these things. And if you look at bald face, you know, I've went up there. And it was fuck. It rained, and then it got cold, and it was fucking icy. Oh yeah, that and, trip. And it was one of the best experiences of my entire life. <laughs> and so I left with this experience that I'll remember forever. Like the whole time, the food, the hanging out at the bar, the chatting, the, the like just talking to you, going down to the board tuning room, taking a piss, staring at a Turk and Robbins. Like it, all the the whole fucking thing was just like completely. Wait, Tarquin, Tarquin wasn't there. It was no, his board. His board. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I just wanted to like, make <laughs> sure the board with the shotgun. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. hey, Tarquin, what are you doing yeah, here? Totally. And, <laughs> He's and, a bathroom attendant at Baldface. <laughs> yeah. He's got like the mints and the Tarquin was in the bathroom. Yeah, he hands you a Shit, mint. Shit, dude, he really will hire people. <laughs> yeah. Keep him going. <laughs> yeah. He gave me a paper towel when I left. No, but uh, I and just want to say the value of chasing experiences versus chasing things. Yeah, man. Um, first of all, Tarquin, you got I just, I just gurned you. So you come on out to Baldface anytime. I'll get you your room. We got Tarquin. a free trip. To you got a free trip right there. I just <laughs> Dude, gave you one. Probably show up. Good. I'd love he to have Tarquin. Shreds. Four of his he wards. watches the show. He's the, he has the most. I was after Tarquins more than anything when I started collecting snowboards, and I have four of them in the lodge. Wow. I don't have four of anybody else's boards in the lodge. Tarquin. Just okay. All right. I'll Experiences. Get past I was kind of a fan of Tarquin. <laughs> Style. You guy. got. Yeah. Let's I mean, give yeah. an air horn. 
Thank you. Obviously. Okay. Tarquin, we could probably get him there. I'm sure he would love that. I ta- I fan mailed him one time. Did he hit you back? Yeah, I think he did. He's like, nice. I, think I, I think I live in London now. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I get it. Okay, what was the question? Sorry. It's just kind of like uh, the value things of creating a good experience. experience. Oh, yeah. All right. Experiences over things. When you start a business, which you guys did, you start with writing a mission statement, right? Yep, so a mission statement is the first part of a business plan followed by an executive summary, yada, yada, yada. And I had to write a mission statement for Baldface back in the day. And our mission statement is to share the infinite wisdom of the backcountry with those that are wise enough to seek it out. It's not about making money or having the softest beds or any of that shit. I feel like if we bring you to this, this, this peak that has beautiful terrain that you've dreamt of your whole life underneath it. The sun's out and you're with your friends or you're making new friends. You're connected is what I'm saying. You're connected to the guide. You're connected to the mountains. You're connected to your own spirituality. Like I honestly, deep down since I was young, feel like that's the healing power that it it exists in all of us. And all we got to do is get you there. You'll do it yourself. Cause when you're shredding, when I'm shredding, when you're when we, when we're shredding, especially the trees of British Columbia, I'll just pump it up because it, it's. I love alpine terrain and severe terrain, and all that stuff. But there's something about going really fast through trees on powder where there's like bumps and pillows and things, and just letting your mind go. I literally, it's almost like a meditation for me, especially on this thing where I feel like I'm an animal, not thinking about. Do I go to the left or the right of that tree or do I jump to it? Like I'm just freaking connected, connected to the best part of myself, making great decisions. I'm not hitting trees. You know what I mean? I don't think about it and I make great decisions that benefit me. I'm like filled up after a great power run. If I can give that to people, that's then, then we're a completely successful business. And if I can manage to do it without going out of business or hurting anybody, then like home run. What's amazing is Chris went there. The powder wasn't good. It was awful. Still had that great experience. 100%. Because it's the connectedness, and that's, like, that's it. We're a gang, and that's our clubhouse. Yeah. And, like, you feel like you got, like, people who come there for the first time, like, they're a little, they feel like they got a seat at the table. And they feel like, fuck, there's a lot of room at this table, too. You know? And that's something I wrote in that thing about Craig was, like, I've been touring with lots of people and done lots of experiences in summer and winter, but... Sometimes you get to the top with like a guide guy and, and they already have their skins off and their packs done and they got their puffy coat on and they're kind of waiting for you. And you, you know, <laughs> okay. But man, you got to the top with Craig, he would kick everybody's butt getting up there. And sometimes he would even wait, not at the top. So we could all get up to the top together. Or when you got there, he'd be waiting like, Hey, way to go, man. Like none of this, like, Oh, I'm cold. I've been waiting for you. Like kind of passive aggressive bullshit stuff. It's like, don't you love it when people are like, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome, man. Lots of room, lots of room for you. Like I just, we got to get that going more with people and bald face is a great place for it. Cause we, we've created this space that just opens your heart and, and you you feel so great. You're so inspired by the views. And then you hear these great stories from people who have made it there. And I don't know. It's, a, it's, a, yeah, I guess that's, that's why we do it. That's it. I've heard the food's amazing too, and the bar's fun. We have uh, all of it. I mean, it's hard because I could go into Sean Colley, the chef, and and, yeah. and and all the people. There's so many pieces to the puzzle, and uh, people have shit. You know, that's the thing is over 25 years with, we have like 108 employees now, and 
we grew up to that. But one of the things I never really thought I'd have to deal with was like, you really fall in love with your employees. Um, and sometimes you have to say goodbye. <laughs> Look, I'm on the bomb. <laughs> so sometimes you have to say goodbye to those people too. And it's really hard. That's, a, that's probably the worst part. Yeah. And it like, even made that harder, huh? Well, people change, you know, and then people die and people's kids get sick and people, you know, all sorts of shit happens to people. You got to have a really open heart to all of it, but sometimes it really hurts to say goodbye and just be like, this isn't working. And now it's a business, you know, we've been friends and working together, but now this isn't working and I got to just like do what's right. Those are the hardest things. And to their credit, that's the shit that makes you really strong. That's the Jeremy Jones in the gym is like working through those things and just, trying to hold a shred of integrity through those things is so hard. And you look back at them and those are the ones you're like, God, I could have done that better. Shouldn't have taken them out to lunch. I should have done that. You know, you're like, those are the hardest ones. Does everyone stay up there too? live like sleep there and seven days on seven days off. Wow. So, I mean, these guys are family, so it's gotta be hard. Dude, hundred percent. You're living with them, working with them. hundred percent. And, and it's really fun. Like, we enjoy it up there. I do it seven on, seven off for a reason because you come up and you're stoked to get there. Mm-hmm. At the end of your seven days, you're stoked to go back down and see your friends and go snowboarding in town. And then at the end of that seven days, you're stoked to go back up to, to go watch, get free, free food and fuck around. Like, yeah, that's a pretty cool program. Yeah, and they all, like, they're all looking forward to seeing each other, you know? Yeah, they're all good friends. And totally. That's really cool. Yeah, the, the, the thing, too, you know, talking about going back down into society and things like that, too, is, like, you know, a lot of people, we live in a city, you know, and and – a lot of people do. And then when you go to Baldface, you're in a fucking, you're in like a little nugget of like all your problems don't really fucking matter. You're just in the moment. You're connecting with nature. And it's like, I think everybody could use a little bit of that, whether it's going touring in the mountains or going to Baldface. Fishing. Yeah. I just think there's a, you know, I've been reading, this is going to get a little hippie, but I've been reading a lot about the mycelium layer, which is this like incredible story of hope that's happening for humanity right now. And like, I would really recommend everybody starts like consciously trying to read sh- shit about solutions instead of all the fucking problems out there. Cause there are to global warming, to overpopulation, to all these things. None of these are brick walls. We're humans. We fuck things up all the time and then figure out how to get out of it. You know what I mean? And this mycelium layer research that's been coming out, like is it, I could go so deep into it, but it just shows that we're all connected. We are all absolutely fundamentally connected and we are all designed to help each other out. Like we have two kidneys. So if you lose a kidney, they can fucking cut a kidney out of me and give it to him. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> like humanity figured that out. Like, and we have two. Somehow the great creator was like, I'll just give you an extra one. Like you, You're telling me that there's not like a plan here. Let's just have a little faith in this thing, you know? <laughs> and so to get back to mycelium, I don't know how I What's the mycelium up. layer? All right. So like, think of it this way. In the layers of the soil that go down, there is a layer of fungus. Yeah, mushroom stuff. And huh? so a mushroom would be the fruit, and a truffle would be the nut of this kind of layer that's in there. It's all interconnected. And what they've found is that this this tree's here, and this tree's here, and this tree converts sugars and, uh, and nitrogen, and then its leaves fall off, and they decompose, and it goes into the ground. This tree needs that shit. Well, the mycelium layer can help move the nutrients that are not needed from this tree and give them to this tree. And the nutrients they need are carbon. And when you start thinking about the problems in the world, they're mostly carbon based. And the whole fucking planet has a network that just basically is there to convert carbon and give it to plants. Like, yeah, we'll 
give us some time. We'll put the pieces together on yeah. this thing and stop driving these stupid cars and airplanes everywhere. And we're going to figure that shit. We'll run out of gas and it'll be a big fucking awful thing for humanity. And then they'll figure, figure it out. Else out yeah. And I'm not saying don't try at Ballface, We do everything we can. God, I know we burn a lot of diesel up there. I'm constantly looking for solutions. We're upgrading a whole fleet to the next level of tier four cats this year. Like it's a constant thing to try to lower, lower, lower. And I'm well aware of the impact that we have up there. I balance that with what we were just talking about and that I feel like it's a really valid mission to connect people and get these good vibes flowing between people. But, um, and that's again about all this connectedness is what it really comes down to. So, um, what the fuck was I talking There's about? Something oh. more, something more with fungus. I oh, was, so the, mis- <laughs> the fungus. I, I was reading that fungus actually can, they figured out they can speak to other fungus. They have like 50 words that they use. Really? Yeah. Through, I was just reading this like two days ago. Well, it communicates with like the whole network. It's crazy. Yeah, they're, they're and they're finding so that even the, the the hallucinogenic mushrooms and the psilocybin and the LSD and the MDMA and all these things that you kind of like, ooh, drugs, you know, or whatever it is. So it's, I don't even know the names of them, but all the drugs that these people are taking in pill form, it's the same shit. But now we're starting to realize that like nature actually has all that shit for anti-depression or anti-anxiety, even on that level. Like there's natural compounds that are yours for the taking. If you can identify them and figure it out, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of always optimistic about things, even when it's dark, because it's like after the darkness comes the light. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like there's, it is supposed to be hard, but then there's moments, you know, we call them Bible beams. You call them that down <laughs> yeah. here when the Bible beams come out and you're like, the storm's <laughs> almost over. Bible beams. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's a there's a lot there, and I think I think the one to highlight too, and that is like focusing on solutions instead of problems. Totally, because we don't we see a lot of the hey the man inverse. You ever teach anybody how to snowboard in the trees? I don't. Not that I don't know. You know. You know. They they'll go and they they just like go into tree wells all the time, and hit <laughs> smash into trees like resort that. riders. You yeah. never go off the run. Yeah. But and then you tell them, look, man, look there, go there. Look at the trees. You're going to smash into the trees. Look between the trees at all that powder. You're just going to link it up and ride powder. It's the same thing, man. Like watch the awful news and get concerned about a bunch of shit that's not even happening. That's like, I don't even know why they're telling you. Like, what? you know what I mean? Look there, go there. It's yeah. like, look there, go there. You want to find a bunch of conflict and shit to get upset about and tie your guts in, in knots? Like that's your, it's your choice to do that. It's also your choice to read about the mycelium layer, read about, you know, his, like the Stoics, like these lessons that have been learned over humanity, hundreds of generations. It's yeah. like the, the Stoics are amazing, oh, dude, you know? You know what I love about that stuff too is you think when you read those types of books, you're like, all right, I think I'm my, my, my problems I'm dealing with are uniquely set to me. And you're like, wait a second. These guys have been dealing with the same fucking yeah. problems for thousands and thousands of years. And these guys actually wrote about it. Maybe I should learn something from well, these and the, guys. The, the Stoics, like they didn't have pen and paper or this. So they had to take all their, this is what the ancient Greeks did is they sat there and listened to the world and then they would like think of how to say something that you could fucking carve into a fucking rock. (laughs) So you got to be like real good with your word choice. But these stoicisms are just like these five word little things that are just so true. And I don't know why I haven't been paying attention to some of these guys like Ryan Halliday, some of these guys. I I listen to every one of Ryan Halliday's books. I've read all of them. Unbelievable. And it's like, where was this when I was in my twenties, man? It sure saved a lot of (laughs) Uh, for the listeners because they actually devour the stuff that we read, uh the the Daily Stoic. But you have you have Ryan Holiday who wrote Ego's the Enemy, Stillness is Key, which is a lot about bald faced lodge, getting out, connected with nature. 
Highly recommend Ryan Holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he has uh, Stillness is Key, Ego is the Enemy, and there's one other famous book that he's written. He's got a trilogy. And, uh, oh, Courage uh, Courage is Calling. Pretty good. Just finished that one. And then, uh, but so if you're looking for some good reads about Stoics, Ryan Holiday. Or if finished. you're looking for something really easy, his Instagram is called The Daily Stoic. Yep. And he just puts up these little things. And, yep. and like halfway through the day, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, I get that now. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> sit sense. up there for a little bit. And then you're like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? One thing he says. Sorry to go on a little tangent about this, but I love this topic. I'd love you to continue is, on the tangent. Is, uh, one thing he always talks about is uh, finding external solutions for internal problems. So a lot of times we think, "Oh, well, I'm unhappy. If I just buy a new car, that'll make me happy." Well, that that solution has nothing to do with the fucking problem. The problem is that you're you're, you're emotionally bankrupt and spiritually bankrupt because for X, Y, and Z, and you need to work on yourself. And no amount of money or buying a new car is going to fucking solve your internal problem. And he writes all about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I, I, I love that you are familiar with Ryan Holiday because he's awesome. Uh, Michael Singer is another really good guy. Mm-hmm. He, wrote, he wrote this book called The Surrender Experiment. It was really a life changer for me. My partner, Dan, recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. And he is basically like a, a, a meditating hippie in the, in the 60s in New York and bought like a little farm and would just meditate there. And his whole meditation was like, I have no fight in me. I'm going to just surrender to whatever it is. Say yes. Just okay. He ended up building like a, you know, back then, like a $400 million data processing company because he was kind of good on the computers back in the day. He's a wildly successful entrepreneur. But that book is a really amazing book about not setting expectations and just being here and just doing it. And his story is a great story. He's a great writer. Awesome. I love that stuff. The, the, Literature book nerd oh, talk book, is, is good stuff. And what, one other one I would like to add is also... Uh, book club. Um, I just followed the Daily Stoics just so I didn't forget. <laughs> and then Robert Greene is... Uh, he was... he was Ryan Holiday was his, like, protege. Robert Greene, uh, who wrote 48 Laws of Power and a bunch of other books, is very... He's, like, the, the expert version of Ryan Holiday if you want to, like, fucking get your wires crossed a little bit reading some heavier stoic type of stuff. Um, I'd like to propose that we get Eastone to do a um, similar thing that would be the um, Eastonic. The Daily Eastonic. Stonic. Yeah, oh, it would be like those. <laughs> my dog, it's all good. <laughs> I got to think about that for a while. Yeah, it is, it all, is good. all good. <laughs> my dog. I am your dog. We could start that up. The uh, Daily Broic. But another uh, one thing I was going to say earlier when you were talking, I was thinking you're thinking about throwing t- go, riding lines through trees and things like that. And, and the Craig Kelly line at the top of every line, mm-hmm. you know, before you drop in very, very great advice for anybody thinking about riding natural terrain is this famous quote, be the ball. Mm-hmm. It's like, as if you're going to roll a, a ball down the hill, where's it going to go? Yeah. Yep. That's how he rode mental. I, like, I don't even know what to say. I got to stand there and watch a lot of that shit. And it was like, damn, that guy is fast. Mm-hmm. Whew, arms, like every little thing was just like, goddamn perfect, man. And the breathing. He, was, he would oh, breathe yeah. really loud, right? Oh, yeah, all sorts of things. He, I will, all right, he ate, um, that dude would eat some things, right? Like some of the best guys eat the weirdest shit. Right? Like what things? What he... We were out there once and he had gone in, I think, Norway for something or greenland i don't know where it was and he had this bag and i thought it was beef jerky but i was touring behind him and it was like it smelled real bad and 
we come around a corner and he's like, you want some? I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's um, dried black cod. And he would like, like you know, and super like love that yeah. shit. I was like, oh, this is super food, man. This is really good for you. <laughs> I was like, wow, dude, you're dedicated. Because <laughs> that smells bad to me. But yeah, you like that shit. I mean, it was just super fishy, huh? Out, you could smell it outside in the mountains, like fish smell, like the cougars and everything were running that way. I was like scared, <laughs> get bit. <laughs> All right, buds, I think it's time to crack a pub beer, huh? Woo! Mm. My favorite time. Favorite time of the day. This is uh, the pub beer crapshoot. Now, if you're thinking about uh, drinking one or two beers responsibly or murdering 70 to 80 beers and blacking out <laughs> aggressively. Responsibly, I should say. Do it the cheap, fun way, right? Yeah. Get yourself some pub beer. They support the show. Support them. Uh, now, you take this dice. Okay. And you roll it, and we'll tell you what you got to do. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> That's all the rules? We got a five. 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 Lucky five. Go five. Would you rather have a tattoo designed by Grenier and tattooed by Eastone or designed by Eastone and tatted by Grenier? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. I'd love to get a tattoo. I got no tattoos. You guys can have blank canvas. Whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I, I don't care. I'm not either. Yeah. I'm that down with the bomb. Wow. But whatever you want, dude. Wow. All right. I All love right. that. We'll uh, both tattoo you. It's a respectable answer. Well, I knew it was a bullshit answer. because You, said you have no tattoos either, huh? Now, this no. is a good one. Who's your favorite person to party with? Like now or all time? It's kind of how both. you receive it. Do both. I'd go Mark Landvik all time when we were both idiots and drank too much, but both of us have kind of pulled our scoop in a group, so that's nice to say. But, boy, when we were both loose, just laughing. All, like, nothing bad. Just maybe a little overconsumption, but, boy, I love Mark, like, from the bottom of my heart. I, and we've had some really great times together. I did a heli trip somewhere with him in Monashies, and he's just a great guy. He's just awesome, man. Yeah. Um, big old air horn. But that's partying, too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Now, my favorite part. Man, I just kind of partied old guy style with JG and John Colonna and Rip Zinger. Old guy style? What's old guy style? Just mellow party? Rip's just like making delicious little nibblies in the kitchen. Uh, Colonna rented a gorgeous, like, baller executive house. Like, really killer bed. Nice, nice food. Hot tub. Go to the Powder Mountain to shred all day. Yeah, we partied. That was really fun. Uh, what, what's the name of that band that was there last night? Oh, uh, Ying Yang Twins? Ying Yang Twins, you know. Me oh, and G stayed for like one song. They're like, booty, 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 booty. <laughs> G's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I believe one of their songs is called Wait Till You See My Dick. Yeah, yeah Wait Till You See they, 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 they whisper, up last whisper at each other. <laughs> yeah, and then there was a whisper one about. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah, that was. <laughs> That's they weird. just make noises in the phone. I'll tell you what, microphone. 2003, I would be fucking Ooh. just losing my shit to see that. Yeah, when that, that first right came now. out, wow. I love that they booked the Yin Yang Twins. It's like, well, who's your first pick? Uh, let's see. Can you get like Future or yeah. somebody like that? No, like, too much. Uh, we got Yin Yang Twins. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, we'll take them. Let's em. take them. <laughs> they were pretty good. I gave them a lot of credit. I don't know. I didn't really know what was going on. I haven't been to a hip-hop show in Utah at a golf course in a long time. At <laughs> <laughs> a golf course. And Rip Zinger, I love how he just kind of goes through life. The way I met Rip Zinger was, uh, I think I was at the Dirksen Derby, and you're in line at this coffee shop, and, you know, they call your name. Like, I think I had a smoothie that came up. They're like, Ethan, and Rip just walks up, grabs it, and walks away. It's <laughs> like, say, I think he had seen Jamie do that because they were sick of waiting in line. It's yeah. like, tight, dude. <laughs> Rip's a super nice guy. It was yeah. really fun. And he's an awesome dude. Yeah, yeah. Just flowing through life like that. 
I know that is a huge question. Who's my favorite person? God, I like partying with everybody. It's fun. It's kind of your job up there, I guess. Huh? You're kind of used to be. I go to bed early now. Like I, it's weird. Like there's the, gonna be some nights that keep you out, though. Well, all right. Here we'll have bomb hole moment. You want a bomb hole? Yeah. So like, one of my best buddies coming up in Tahoe always had my back. One of those guys, right? I J Valenzuela. Like always had my big, back big, through big everything. Friend of mine as yeah. well. And yeah, so. You know, we lost him a year ago, like yeah. right about now. And I had stopped drinking a while before that just for like hell. I wanted to lose weight, really. And, and just felt like I was doing it every night at the bar. It's really easy to have a beer and have a couple beers. So I just kind of pulled the pin on all that. And then I experienced losing a friend to liver failure and alcoholism. And um, I'm pretty close with Ige. I would talk to him once a month or so, you know. But I didn't know that he was feeling the way he felt and going through what he was going through until the, really like towards the end. And we started talking like every day and I realized I was like losing him. And there was moments when you lose a friend where they, there's hope and then the hope fades and then there's another little chance. Oh yeah. And then it's like, and then you get the call that they pass on and it's freaking hard. That shit is super hard. And so this was the first winter I've had the bar open since then. And I really found, I just didn't want to be around it. It's something I'm struggling with right now just because like we talked about partying and like it's a great place to go have your booze and stuff. But then there's a sad side to it too that I see where people just kind of aren't really doing it to just have a good time. They're just doing it because it's a habit to have another drink every 15 minutes until you pass out at night. And there's a lot of people who do that. So I'm trying to. And they do it every night. huh? Yeah. And you see it up there and you, I don't, I didn't think I realized it until um, experiencing what we experienced with our friend. I yeah, he's such a rad, rad human, too. And so much positivity and had his challenges and this, that. But, you know, I just found it hard after, like, 10 o'clock at night to be at the bar this year. So I was just kind of, like, stepping back, doing my old guy thing. I call it light fuse and run away. So, like, you know, you put on the booty, booty, booty song and then crank <laughs> it up and car bombs and then I'm out, you people, know. People see you. And yeah. But that's some of those guys are on vacation, though, you know. So I, I'm good with it. I'm totally harder. good with it. It's just I can control what I witness and what yeah. gets into my heart and stuff. And I think I'm still pretty raw from that one. So I'm just like giving it a little space and yeah, enjoying sense. people on the mountain a lot more and in the mornings a lot mm -hmm. more and like at dinner and then I just kind of let them have their t have their fun. You know, I love sneaking out. That's the thing too. I also realized it's like I gave up drinking years ago and and you, uh, it's like the the partying that you miss at night you make up for because in the morning you're excited to go get some. Oh, yeah. And so there's gives and takes, but how's the adjustment been when, without uh, hammering beers? No, no no real adjustment. I mean, I still will drink a little here and there. Like when we go to Japan or we take a trip with my partner, it's a really special whiskey, and it's like, yeah, that's that makes sense to me. It's the just the daily, like, hammering beers, having wine at dinner, a couple cocktails here and there. Like, I love Mexican food, and we really don't have any good Mexican food in Canada that I've found yet. So when I come down here, in my mind, I'm like, I want a margarita, and I want a combo platter with the whole three <laughs> things on it, and I just want to be left alone with that for left a while. Alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm not going to have five margaritas yeah. or anything, but it's like, yeah, man, to me, I'm like, yeah, you're in that one. It's been like three years since I've had a combo platter with three, you know, three, three pieces on it. And I, as you get older, you realize, too, that high-end, super expensive whiskey – is definitely worth worth paying for over that like Aaron Black. He should probably get an air horn for that because he knows the top shelf at Baldface as good as anybody. I'd say. Oh yeah, does he hit that top shelf? Well, exclusively. And then, exclusively. And then he starts. Then he starts strumming on the old uh, guitar. Oh my strumming god! On I, that guitar. I play guitar with him, and I feel like we 
we've played a lot together. I play with a lot of people, right? Blue up there, of course. Who's your favorite person to jam with up at uh, Blatt? Blatt, wow, he rips. Blatt, I I can give you the list though. It's like there are so many good players out there. Um, Interesting stuff. Jamie's pretty sick too. Fifty percent of households in the United States have an acoustic guitar in them, and fifty percent of those have more than one. Pretty amazing statistic. That so amazing. that's a fun fact. Yeah. You know, at the lodge, we got all these guitars and amps, and keyboard, and a bunch of stuff. We really encourage. I play all the time. We encourage people to kind of have. That's what I do in the evening instead of hanging out at the bars. We're doing jams out in the lobby, right? And uh, you give someone the chance. It's the same as shit. I'm realizing right now. It's the same as snowboarding. You give them a chance to jam with some people. They're playing alone. They don't get a chance to play with three, four guys. And yeah. Like, Fuck. People come alive. We have the funnest jams up there. Um. So yeah, Blatt. Wes Makepeace is really fun to play with. Wes Rips. Scott Sullivan would also be a favorite. Like, Scott is a god on the guitar, too. Um, Jamie's really fun to noodle around with. Um, Mike Rav? Noodle. Get up there. I haven't had Rav up yet. Um, Yeah, there's lots of good players out there. Lots. It's fun, too, when they all get together and jam. (laughs) Such a cool thing. So fun. We got a guest question from Pat Bridges. Here we go. Oh, God. Stone, Grenier, Bombhole listeners, this is Pat Bridges. I am uh, honored to have the privilege of asking longtime friend Jeff Pensiero a question. So Jeff, as somebody who created a place that is on so many snowboarders' bucket list, I'm curious, what are the places you have yet to go ride that are on your bucket list? Really interested in seeing what you would say and uh, seeing what we could all do to make that happen. Oh, Bridges. Um, also, I just want to say thanks for all the years of uh, friendship, good times, good laugh, good turns, and uh, also all the advice. So, hope all's well. Can't wait to hear what Jeff's answer is on the bucket list. And, yeah, take care. <laughs> Bridges. Great question. Great question. Great guy. Great guy. Great guy. Pat, he, he's become one of those guys that I, I'm like, hey, Pat, what do you think about this? And then he calls me, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about starting a magazine. Oh, yeah, well, what about that? Like, we really have this great kind of brotherly business relationship. And we've got like 20 years together under the belt. So it's like, I love having Pat on the other end. He loves to talk biz and chop it up, too. He sure does. He's a sharp kid. Yeah. Although he's an sure. old, old dog like me. Now. All right. Uh, sharp kid. Two-part answer. Part one is, and I'm hoping it is the next couple of years, I really want to take my family on a trip. We've never done it. I'm in the business. I've never done a ski trip or a snowboarding trip with my family. So, like, I'd love to go to, like, the regular spot. I don't even know where you go. I don't and even where's know Where's the I regular go. spot? I don't know. Like, what is a regular? I don't know. Like, Snowbird or, like, oh, okay. fucking, what's a place in college? Like, I don't want to go there. Like, you know. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't know. Everything? Crystal Mountain, I don't know, like some place where there's Somewhere. like places Baker. to go, kid stuff, or okay, Whistler, stuff. even Whistler, man. We've never gone to Whistler in all the years we lived in, in BC. Like it'd be really fun to take the family over to Whistler, but they say it's such a zoo now, though. You know, you think it'd be so enjoyable it's gonna for be you? so underwhelming compared to Bombay. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, it's yeah like, but it's the experience of stuff, yeah. like just to travel somewhere. Like really, I'd love to take them to to Europe and go. Yeah. Like yeah. I've never experienced Chamonix. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced La Grave or like. Um, what's the Monte Rosa in Italy looks incredible. Yeah. Like those iconic spots call to my heart. And I think as I get older, I'm going to be really looking for opportunities. And to those go. ski towns. You go to you Japan. Like, yeah. Japan. I've been to Japan with the fam. Nah. No. Oh, wow. Okay. Nah. I didn't do it. I, I mean, I look, I, it's not, here's the thing about Japan. In my opinion is like, I've been there a couple, three times. 
done some backcountry, done some resort stuff. Like I love the people and the experience. This is going to be really controversial, but like, here we go. Tread lightly. Snowboarding is way better in British Columbia than in Japan. Like, I'm sorry. And it's like a long way to travel and all this stuff. And the people are amazing. The experience is great. Like once hundred percent, but like, if you're a snowboarder, you want to get your mind blown, bang for your buck. You you come to Baldface, you go to Italic, you go to Mustang, you go to one of us. And I'm just telling you, like, you can't make it. You cannot make a bad decision if you go in British Columbia in the wintertime, man. I bet You'll have a great time. I know what you mean. You don't the, get that at same experience in Japan, I guess. So. Well, it's the experience, and it's also just like our the BC Kootenai terrain is the best terrain on the planet. I don't like and you get the best North snow, Island? and it's the best terrain. North Island, hike it around. Yep. Yep. It's short though. It is short. It's short, and it's not the pine trees, and it's just like I don't know. I, I'm in love with I'm in love yeah, with British Columbia. The ice cream trees though. Yeah, no, it's, I'm not yeah. saying it's not rad. I'm just saying I'm living in British Columbia, so yeah. I got a I got a vested interest in the thing. But I've been to both, and if my buddies only had so much cash and they want to have the trip of a lifetime, I would say like Japan's rad, but like B- BC will fill your cup overflowing at any one of these places you can get into. True. It'll be awesome, and it's always deep. Except for no, I'm just <laughs> that guy's a dick. No, I'm just kidding. they're all awesome. So I got a Patreon question for you from Matt McMahon. How would you break down the required ability level of a rider, both from a skill and physical fitness perspective? And how do you suggest someone get an honest assessment of their level to ensure they are ready for the pow trip of a lifetime? Great question. Pow trip of a lifetime. Ability levels, like, you should be able to go to your local ski resort, snowboard spot, and ride through trees. That's it. You, like, it, there's no cut runs. There's no grooming. It's backcountry skiing. So it should be like, go for a little hike at your ski resort. And really, if that's the first time you've ever done it, go for a few and get some friends and start getting an understanding of what it's like to go kind of what we call off-piste. Once you get to that, you're good to go at any of these places. As far as fitness goes... You know, it's almost like if you have to ask that question, it's, it's like, I think we should all be responsible and maintain a certain amount of fitness so you can do stuff. So if you're like doing 10 jumping jacks and trying to decide if you're in shape to go on a heli trip, like, <laughs> eh, you know, like we get guys in their forties and fifties who used to be Johnny Rockstar snowboarder for sure. Could shred everywhere, maybe like semi pro. And then it's the big wake up call when they come to bald face and their legs aren't there. And their lungs aren't there. And I see it and they drink too much and they're eating a lot of bacon because the bacon's delicious up there. And it's a big wake up call where it's like, you know what? Yeah. You do have to go for a run once a week. You do have to do some swimming. You got to get on the exercise bike, like watch your weight, you know, like live the life. And then they come back the second year and they're like, oh yeah, dude, I'm, this is why I'm staying in shape. I'm not going to blow it again on a bald face trip. So I'm doing a class once a week and I'm doing this thing. And it's like, it turns people around. So a lot of times bald face or one of these places is a wake up call in your middle age to be like, you don't have to carry that extra 15 pounds around. You really don't like it's, you know, when you have something to strive to, it's really easy to do that kind of stuff. So I'd say stay in shape all the time. You don't want to be that guy that has to take that day off in between, huh? 
Supposedly Bubs helps with that as well. I would get collagen. Yeah. <laughs> Bubsnaturals.com, promo code. Stay, stay probably put some of them apple the cider. I'd take those apple cider <laughs> things. Actually, that's my answer. Edit. <laughs> Edit. Let's go, Bubs. Apple cider gummies What's the great. story with this bacon? I mean, Jess Kamara had me just oh, every geez. day. All I heard about was this bacon at Paul's face. Yeah, bacon is... Uh, so... Is Pocket there something bacon. special you do with the bacon? Or? Yeah, like Sean Colley's our head chef, and he <laughs> is a snowboarder. He rides for ride, right? Like, Sean's legit. He cooks in his snowboard boots and goes outside and, like, fucking hits a little rail that he welded himself and wow. goes back in and, like, takes the shit out of the deep fry. It's, like, crazy. But we wanted to come up with something that was really, like, ours that we could do. And our whole thing is trying to not buy so much packaging all the time. It's just part of what we do. And so we smoke all our own lunch meats. Traeger, Luke Edgar came on with Traeger, became a sponsor of the lodge. And we were like, what can we do with these things? And Sean was like, let's just buy whole pigs now or, or pig bellies. We'll butcher them ourselves. We'll brine them, smoke them, slice them by hand. And we'll have hand done homemade bacon at the lodge. So this has now become a thing. Wow. Like a big thing. And the bacon really is, Sean cares and it really shows like it's not too fatty and it's not like like it's the it's they really do got it to a I science mean, yeah you're bringing the pigs in i mean that's that's dope people who know what's i'm not saying well like jess jess goes to breakfast and she brings a plastic bag yeah pocket po- bacon. Yeah, pocket, pocket bacon's everything pro tip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah now we didn't really talk too much you kind of talked about the supernatural the first uh event but yeah. we, d- we didn't get into you guys just hosted the natural selection God, it took two hours to get to that. <laughs> yeah, we don't go. We don't go in order. Amazing. But, but how how was that? Uh, how was that fucking experience for you? It was. It was. Uh, yeah. It was. It was hard. It was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard. I. I. It was just hard coming out of COVID and really trying to like. I wanted to run a good year this year and in january we had to shut down for a week after um omicron came along and it just devastated the town and the staff and it was like so we lost a week of revenue which is really hard when you only make money for 14 out of weeks out of the year and we lost a week. you know it was like it's just a lot on my mind this year with the business and we had some health problems with a couple of the staff so we were covering for some stuff with them and it was like it was challenging year before supernatural or natural selection ever showed up but then, um, you know, I don't stress about the weather that much. It's like it is what it is. And the film shooters have a different way to look at things and, you know, get stressed out that there's wind in five days or not. It's like, I don't know. Let's just wait till the night before and see if there's, you know, I don't know, forecasts or what there. But, you know, the final product came out really good. We got to do these duels. <laughs> and I knew we could do the contest. Like we worked hard on that face and there was a little bit of Travis pushing on building those cheese wedge jumps and this and that. And that can get a little tough really, especially since we've been working together for a long time. So we have a familiarity that I think can be kind of construed as disrespect either way. Like if I'm like, shut up, Travis, we're not doing that. And then he can kind of stomp off and then he'll say something to me and I'll be like, fuck you, dude. Like, you know, but we come together again, but it's, those are hard, you know? And I love like Travis, like a brother of mine for sure. But the duels were really hard, man. And we didn't really have a plan on like, you know, when I execute things from a safety and an operations thing, it's like, man, I got to know what it is and just tick shit off a list and hire people in advance so I can have all these things. And 
it was just such a moving target the whole time trying to figure out like where the sun was going to be good and the snow was going to be good and which feature we could use for which battle and who's going. It was all like, I give Liam Griffin, like, I don't even know how to describe that guy. He is just a goddamn supercomputer with, with eyeballs, you know? And the way he held, holds it together is, you know, biblical. I don't know. He's incredible. So trying to figure out those duels was really, really hard. And um, at the end of the day, I think they came out great. And we, it's like a proof of concept that we could do this kind of competition format without doing the whole big um, scary cherry face. We actually did two contests in 11 fucking locations in seven days. It's insane what we pulled off. But, man, it was hard. And um, really proud of what they did in Alaska. I haven't made it through the whole thing, but I've previewed some of it. And I just – insane. To see Trav, like, have that ambition and that drive and just, like, not quitting is – he's taking my advice, but I fucking hate it that he takes my advice because I wish he would just let it go sometimes (laughs) because he's a a really, really driven guy. So, yeah, it was – it was a real challenge. I, I thought, you know, the riding definitely went up a level from ultra natural, which was really cool to come back and revisit it with like the new set of riders. Okay. Yeah. So all in all is pretty rad. I, I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to progress or what the next steps are going to be with it. And I'm really kind of excited to see, we have a big meeting next week where we're going to round table some stuff, but it was the first time since I started it where I was like, I, I might just be too old to be, getting up at four 30 in the morning to try to take people snowboarding and shoot the stuff. It's a lot of, man, it is a heavy lift. This was the first year where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I got this. Like it was hard. So yeah, kind of really makes me realize this whole succession thing and everything. Like I got to figure out like what's going to happen as I get older. Cause I don't want to give up these opportunities, but I also like don't want to be the guy doing all the heavy lifting and making all the decisions anymore. So interesting times. Was well, that an okay answer? Was that great? Off, yeah, that was, was that awful? great answer? That was great. I just finished watching, or when we watched the Alaska stop, and I was just thinking about Travis and Liam and the crew and everybody's part. As, as once that went was done, it was fucking jaw was on the floor, like just thinking about the tents in Alaska and <laughs> all the way from tents. Jackson to Baldface to Alaska pulling off. How much they must just be like. Holy smokes! I can't believe they Dude, pulled I it off. F- I feel that way after watching one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, dude, getting everyone up there, camping out in tents. I'm just, that's crazy. I mean, but like, let me ask you guys. Here, we're on the bomb hole. Like, three events. There's like quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, women's quarter. That no, women's just goes semis and then finals because there's half as many in there. Did you feel like it's like too much still morning? Do you feel like you're watching too much? Like, I get a little lost in that much, trying to remember one run or who did, you know? Like, yeah. I, sometimes I struggle with that a little bit. Like, it's awesome, but wow, that's a that's an awful lot of snowboarding to watch. Yeah. That, since there's only three, I think it's manageable. I, I definitely think Jackson is the mark. Like, the since it's live, the excitement is right. much higher because mm-hmm. you're really, you know, you're watching it real time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that like the progression, like thinking about watching your event, I remember specifically like Mickle bank front seven nose on a cheese wedge mid run. And you're just like, this is like fucking video part quality. These guys are yeah. coming in blind to kickers hitting the sweet spot, which is just unbelievable yeah. to be like halfway down a run hitting a giant kicker. The, the things that 
you know, from a person that's fucking tomahawk their way into the, like, every time they hit a jump, it's like, give me five tries, I might land something. Right. And they're like, fucking turnkey every yeah, feature. top to bottom. Top to bottom. It, it's like, it's you know, amazing. anybody that's ridden natural ter- terrain is like, your jaw's on the fucking floor yeah, the whole amazing. time. Uh, and as far as... But legit- that's the quality of riding. And like, I gotta yeah. tell you, we do film shoots up there in a Valhalla and shit. I, like, 30-year-old me would not believe the shit that people are riding. Totally. It is like the whole level, and I'm talking from Jared to Austin to the other Austin to Travis, like everybody's really freaking good. Yeah, they are. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, people do that all the time. Show up and just on-site stuff. I'm like, fucking seriously? You don't even know. Like, you've never been here. Yeah, they've never even been there. You know who I want to see in there really bad is John Jackson. Oh, dude. Yeah. I would love I was to so see sad that. because John is a brother and Eric is a brother and we had this tradition where um it's very special to us but we cut one of John's uh, dreadlocks off <laughs> and we had a hanging over the uh exit sign to go into the bar <laughs> you know and there's like a bunch of shit up it's like this right yeah. this is and so we had one of it and it had beads in it and then when Eric was up John wasn't there so we cut off a little of his beard hair and had both their little, it was like a little piece of bald face history. And then someone cl- cleaned up. Oh, oh no. And they oh, left no. the beard hair, but threw the dreadlock. Away. Oh, so no. John, wow. if you're watching, we really need to get you back, brother. Speaking of playing guitar, we need John and Eric dreadlock. are way up there on my list too. <laughs> yeah. But we need another dread. It'd be sick if he mails yeah. you a dread with a bead on no, it. No, I won't accept it by mail. Oh. <laughs> Gotta be, I want to see that baby too. I like holding babies. Yeah, I think I think natural first. selection for the first year of a full tour is. I mean, they fucking blew the doors off of it. That's and, great to and, hear. And I just think that uh, I'm sure. It, I wonder if the the lift will be able to. They'll be able to maintain the the heavy lifting with that. It I hope so. Crazy. I mean, and if they don't, it's for a reason. And then they'll have to reload like I did, and like you're gonna have to, and everything. And they'll reload, and they'll figure out what works, and they'll keep plowing ahead. That's what I'm gonna try to do with those guys: is just continue to be the cheerleader and like try to point out the shit they're doing right because it's really easy in retrospect to be like oh that didn't work and that didn't work and then you know it's like yeah but look at all these pieces that like totally work let's let's spend our time building on those yeah you know and i think i'm, I'm excited to work with that team they got great people totally and uh try to help them obviously it's got to evolve for years here until yep. it gets to its full potential you know now, now I want to change gears because I'm, I'm going to do personal, uh, I'm looking for personal business mentorship, Buds and I, this is kind of for us, but uh, you know, you have a big team, I think, what do you say, how many people, 60, 70? 100? 108. 108, okay, 108 people. So how do you maintain like relationships? How important is the relationships with everybody that works there? And how do you pick good people and what makes a good person and people that are part of your team? That's a lot, 108, that's a lot of. How do you make that work? Sometimes I don't, you know, it's, I don't have an expectation that it's always going to work. And there's always stuff going on interpersonal between people. That's just human nature. People say things and they kind of feel disrespected, but they don't say anything. And then it starts getting into the relationship. And so sometimes I, 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 this isn't how I hire people, but like people that we've worked with for a long time, I think it's really important when you feel that or you hear it, someone talking shit on somebody else to me. I try to sit down with those two people right away and be like, hey, let's just create a space right here where we can clear clear this out. Let's squash this. Because if I can help and give you some clarity of like, oh, this is your job, not your job, and you're putting this on. The- okay, I'll, I'll draw the line. But like if we just need to 
if you're talking shit to me and you're talking shit to me, why don't you guys like do this and I'll witness it? Cause it's always good to have a third person in the room. So it's not a screaming match. And, and you just kind of take it one at a time. I mean, I think I've had some real successes in that side and I've had some real failures too, you know, where I've gotten mad at people or, or had expectations that were mad or caught, caught people doing things they weren't supposed to be doing, you know? But even when it's that, you got to take a minute and just get to this space where you can like come at it from their perspective a little bit more instead of just all about me and like how do your actions affect me? It's more like, what's going on with you that you're acting like that? Like you feel you need to steal from me? Like you need sandwiches? Like let's help you out. Like you don't have you to act sandwiches. like you're stealing old sandwiches <laughs> from the cat barn, you know? You're like pocketing bacon? What are you doing? We've That's you lose, that's a big you lose fingers for that one. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> you don't steal the bacon. Do not Nobody steal the bacon. the bacon. And it's Jess that'll cut your fingers off. Yeah. <laughs> one finger per And then hiring is like we have a pro- – so, so, okay, hiring, we have a process, but I try to – I do meet everybody before we hire, but they go through a little bit of a process before they get to me. We have an HR person now. We have a lodge manager too. And then they get through that and then I meet them. And my job's kind of to do the, like, how are they going to be living at the lodge test? So I kind of throw some zinger questions at them, you know, and try to just see how they react, whether they can laugh at some stuff or whether they get all put off. And then that's kind of the final end. Because if you can't live at the lodge and laugh at shit that happens and little things up there, then you're probably, you know, it's like summer camp. Yeah, you're not going to make it. So you got to kind of feel that out, you know, like, how do you sleep? You know, are you a good sleeper? Yeah, all right. You snore? No, oh, no. Does your wife snore? You know, ha, ha. You know, whatever it is. But try to get them in and, and then, uh, you know, maintaining the relationships with the staff. You, to me, it used to be super important to me that I was like friends with everybody and had this really good thing. And then I've kind of had to just like, this year was really one of the first years where I was like, I'm not the lodge manager anymore. We hired a lodge manager and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to run two businesses and build this one over here and create more. So I got to kind of take my hands off of like every relationship at the lodge and, Mia, who's our lodge manager, did an amazing job of like doing the exit interviews and talking to people during the season and all that stuff. I felt like I was, th- this year was the first year I kind of started like taking my hands off the wheel a little bit with ball face and paying more attention to what's going on at ball runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to see the big picture. You got to steer the ship in a certain direction. You can't be dealing with every little yeah. uh, detail of the brand. Uh, people awesome. bring their wives up there too or husbands. Like customers? No, uh, no, living up there. Really limited number of beds up there. So it's really like you're bunked up with a buddy in there. And oh yeah, it's yeah. hilarious. It's All good. right, That's I think awesome. it's a good time to get into hot takes. Hot takes is presented by Oakley goggles, uh, eyewear, what, what have you. Um, you know, I recently started wearing a helmet. I wear the Oakley Mod Five, but I heard the Mod One Pro. I've been trying to get my hands on that one. That's the that's the one all the big dogs use. Yeah, they the, still the have the Mod huh? Yeah, I think it's it's in demand because oh, it's, uh, it's hard to it's get. A great helmet. So if you get if you get your hands on one of those, they're great. I wear the Line Miner goggle. With that being said, um, we're going to get into hot takes now. The first one we always ask is, in your opinion, who is the MJ and or greatest of all time in snowboarding, both male and female? Oh, I didn't do my homework. Okay, well, the greatest of all time. Boy, uh, Jamie, it's an easy answer for me. Good answer. I got like five that could easily be there, but I just, uh, my love for him is like, you know, and my appreciation for what he did. I don't know if a lot of people still even recognize that like Jamie really just was like so authentic as he came up. A lot of guys were trying to be something. They weren't gangsters and, you know, all this shit. Jamie has always just been Jamie. 
And if he's partying, he's partying Jamie. If he's art, he's art Jamie. If he's music, but the Jamie's always so fucking real. And that's why people are just drawn to that authenticity and his snowboarding. I've ridden with lots and lots and lots of pros, but God, that guy, he is, I, I think he's the best snowboarder I've ever gone with because he doesn't really try that hard. It just happens. You know, like he just does, and he's surprised, you know? <laughs> but little hips and things, he doesn't agonize over how do you hit this and where's the tranny, whatever. Man, Jamie just flows into shit and just like pack one's things and like rides out. It's it's a pleasure to be able to spend time with a guy like that. So I'd say Jamie's the greatest. Oh, should I do it? All right, Jamie, Jamie. Jamie, Jamie. I'll go Jamie, Jamie Anderson. Quality answers. Um, I just have so much respect for Jamie, and I've gotten to – witness her kind of growing although she was already a gold medalist when i first met her i'm sure but like i just think when it comes to snowboarding zoe's there and jamie's there and then you know you got you know obviously hannah and leanne and robin who have really like pushed it kind of more into the backcountry zone and exploring and i'm i just women's snowboarding so exciting because i have a daughter coming up into it right now with tons of opportunity but jamie was there when we filmed that thing for torstein called light and Gab, the guy who was the drone guy from drone Natural guy, Selection, yeah. he was filming it. And and Charles Beckinsdale built the jumps. Ika was there. Nice crew in the spring. And there's, I, I should, you might have to check this, but I think Jamie guinea pigs the biggest jump in front of Torstein, all these guys. And like, I think she back sevened it and landed like deep in the tranny. And I watched Ika just like his mouth fell open. He couldn't say anything. <laughs> we were all like, you're going to, you're going to start with that. Like it might've been a nine. I don't know. We got to go back and look, but it was like, everybody was like, holy fuck. And the rest of that session, I got to see Jamie in a whole new light as like a backcountry rider. Like she understands terrain. She's ridden Whistler a lot. She's been around. So the stuff she does for snowboarding is great. You know, I don't know. Is that Great a fair answer? answer? That Jamie is one Jamie? of the best, answer. most well-articulated answers we've ever had. And Barrett Christie, but that's just because, you know, Barrett's awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, this is a big one. Uh, brace yourself. Best board graphic of all time. That the, You could qualify that. My favorite board graphic sure. of all time clearly would be the Crapple. It was a uh, Snapple model, but we made Clearly. it say Crapple on it with a crap inside of it. I thought that was really clever. <laughs> and I can't find one anywhere. So, you know, Crapple. there it is. Um, but I would also say the Brushy Trout. Yeah, it's iconic. Brushy That's, Trout. It's a great board. Okay. Uh, who has the best style of all time? Craig. The most emulated. Yeah, Craig. His style was unbelievable. Still holds up. Mm-hmm. We have old footage we just found that we've been getting digitized of me with a shitty camera, and it's, like, mouth-watering. Really? He's gorgeous. Yeah, he, he ripped. There'd be no Alex Yoder. There'd be no Brian Fox turn. There'd be all those guys with their iconic arm turns that are so beautiful. None of them would even exist if Craig was mm -hmm. there with his style. Who's the most underrated? Travis Wright. No, I'm just kidding. Who's the most underrated? Todd Schlosser. That's Todd. Yeah. Yeah, he really, man, you go back in the day, Todd could do it all. And he was the Northwest guy that would come down. Nate Cole would be in there too. Like, they would come in to, with no context, no nothing, and just fucking kill it with the Hatchet Brothers up there. And it was so exciting seeing their video part when it would come out. And it was like, no way. I, I always just thought Todd was like the next next level. 
And he is one of the nicest guys on it. You're kind of just murdering hot takes right now, doing a good job. Uh, next one, you've probably done this before, but if you go heliboarding with three people in the world, who'd you take? One, two, nice. three. Let's make it happen. Let's Let's what's go. the next question? <laughs> I don't know. Live in the moment, right, yeah. boys? Whoever's Let's with fire you, up huh? a heli. We got a local <laughs> heli up. Let's do this. I went three days, four, five days ago with Demi and Whitley, who is one of the lead guides, really close friend of mine. Tyler, um, who is the lead guide at Valhalla, been there 20 years. Brad, who's the current lead guide at Ballface, and me and our friend, really good friend, was the helicopter pilot. And we did 2.3 hours on the on the Hobbs. Wow. And it was one of the funnest days I've ever had. But I'll tell you, I don't really care who's in there. As long as they're bros, we're going to have the ultimately best time. <laughs> I don't care for sure. Amazing. And lastly, uh, worst trend. What do you got? That's a negative question. I don't know. Worst <laughs> trend. Worst trend is selling product for the sake of fucking selling product instead of innovation. It's like, just stop it. Make a story. I heard an interesting thing from Terrier and Gemtem, uh, Taro Tamari, and Terrier asked him to make a snowboard that'll last forever, one snowboard. Okay. Killer. <laughs> like, that's great. I just, sometimes the phony innovation shit just yeah. to sell, it's like, stop milking everybody so hard. Like, come on. Like, I ride old snowboards all the time, and they're actually awesome. You know, like, and a, a five-year-old Jamie really... Sorry, rides about the same as you, Jamie. This year, you know what I mean? Like, unless you're you or some super high level pro oh, that in the looking, powder, you can ride. Don't anything. let me in with those guys. Well, you're pretty high. You're pretty. High I used to be okay before you started breaking your shit. <laughs> you're up there. I, I mean, I'm enjoying talking with you, so I can keep going. But as far as like any things you'd like to to talk about, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we got a great pod. We can start to wrap it up. But if you have anything. You know, before we wrap it up, of things that you know you want to lay out there, we can we can do that. I'm just trying to think of like, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's kind of more of a conversation. It's going great. Yeah, it's going great. Yeah, I don't want to keep it going. I just, I, you know, the the worst thing that I I hate hap happens is that people get in their car, for, and they're like, and they're fuck. I wish we talked about this. And so I guess yeah, it as a preventative happens. measure, it happens. You know. Um, no, I could just like, you know, I think we got on like keeping it positive, hold on to the good things. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what I wanted to kind of get to is like, yeah, it's not so, it's not so hokey, you know, like, um, that shit you learn in kindergarten comes back in your fifties where it's like, you gotta love everybody and like sing along and join in and do yep. all the shit that you think is a little hokey and. Somebody's maybe lost that a little bit. So yeah. it's it's great to get a microphone in front of me and yeah. be like, dude, just experience joy. Live your life yeah. like in a good space. Like you can do it. And when you're down and and you're dealing with the hard demons that happen, like there's all these fucking yeah. great people that just want nothing more than to get that phone call. I love you, man. What's up? How you doing? So true. come out for a visit. Like, let's do this. I call people and have them up to bald face when I, you know, Kimmy was just up there and God, that was fucking incredible. Like she went through three rounds of chemo and Ben Chetler calls me and he's like, dude, she's super down. Do you think we can Burton book the whole lodge and that's her family. And like he called Donna next thing, you know, the plane's diverting to fucking San Diego. She's jumping in with the kids and a helper. And then we get to get Kimmy up there. I'm expecting her to have like a, you know, three rounds of chemo. You'd think she'd have like a tube in her neck and like bad, big black eyes and shit. She comes out, she looks like Kimmy. Lost a little bit of weight. Hugest smile you've ever seen. She went snowboarding for 
three days straight, pow, Kimmy, who could easily be on my greatest of all time list right now that I, now here I go backwards, like, sorry, Jamie, Kimmy, you know, whatever. But to be able to do that for a friend in need is the biggest honor for me. And we can all, we can all do that. It's our obligation to do that, you know? And then the, the sad thing that comes with getting old is you also get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get dragged down into this fucking hole. You got to tell people sometimes like you keep making these choices. You're going to start making these choices without me by your side. Mm -hmm. And that's like saying goodbye to employees. That's like kind of ended a few friendships because of that, where I got to consciously be like, I can't carry this pain around. If you're not going to, if you're not going to jump on the good, the good train, you know? So I don't know if I'm even recording. No, no, it was great. And and I do think there's something that I kind of want to pull from that too is like, you know, we noticed that a lot of our listeners reach out and they they love feeling like a sense of a part of the snowboard community and the importance of that. And you are a community man. And I think that that is something that we can all, it improves our lives when you, when you feel a part of something, you know, and you feel, and we're all, we're all board, we're all snowboarders and that binds us together. And I feel like you, you have a very good understanding about that. Well, we're, we are. And like everybody watching this podcast is a bald face. Like you're all part of the family. If you're watching this and you're interested in my story, like you're in, you got a gang, you're a snowboarder. I mean, that's like when I was young, like being a snowboarder is fucking cool. Like I walked around like I was fucking cool because I had a t-shirt on that was a LibTech t-shirt, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then you see someone else. You're like, what's up? Yeah. Like that's, we got to, you know, we're snowboarders, men, women, whatever. We're snowboarders, like gay, black, whatever. We're snowboarders. Let's go fucking snowboarding, you know? So, you know. There's just so much love that has been invested into me and into the experience and into bald face that it's like, all I want to do is like return that and like realize that it like love and gratitude, it's not something in a jar that you give it away and then the jar runs out. It's like the sun. It's like, it's there. You don't have to worry about it. There's shit tons of it. It's like the best stuff. So you guys do a great job of giving guys like me or blue or Jess or Go back to the old ones. The first one, I can't remember which one. Justin I, Benny. Yeah, just Justin. Benny. I saw Justin and was like, I'm sending those guys some fucking money because that's that that's fundamentally like what needs to happen. We're making positive changes in people's lives and talking about hard times. And like, mm-hmm. this is what it's about. Yeah, and let everyone goes through them. You know, it's it's recognizing that we're here in snowboarding right now. You two and me, and like somehow we got a seat at the table. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. Like we got a seat at the fucking table. It wasn't that hard. Yeah. And, and I want to invite more people to sit oh, at the yeah. table. There's lots of room here, man. You know, you've had a hundred episodes. Fuck. You know, you know, you know, it's fucking hilarious too. Is like, I love how like we're fucking dipshit, hollow headed snowboarders. And all of a sudden, like we, we have company. We have a company. And it's like, oh, how do, how do I do accounting? And I love, like, sitting in front of my desk, like, oh, I'm a fucking businessman. Oh, like, it's like, I'm not a fucking businessman. Yeah, but here's the thing. You know? Here's like, the thing. You're not, but you're becoming one. Yeah, but it's it's a joke to me. The whole thing's a fucking joke. <laughs> we are all a fucking joke. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, we are all a joke. We are all here to process sugar into energy for <laughs> mitochondria in our stomach. There are aliens that have taken over us. We are fucking pawns tied up in CNN and whatever. But really, all we do is serve like eight pounds of bacteria in our guts <laughs> that came from outer space. Get over yourself. Yeah. Go snowboarding and have fun. 
So good. It's like this thing we take so seriously. Oh, I got my big important snowboarding stuff I got to do. It's like fucking you're taking a piece of wood and you're basically doing glorified sledding. The same yeah. shit you did when you were a kid in like the side oh, of the Oh, but it's so, yeah, it is. But it's it's like, what if you could, what if you could convince, what if we were 60 years later and we, we changed the world and we're like, snowboarding is medicine. It is. Mountain biking is medicine. It's it's better than the compounds and the science behind it because it's all from in here. And it's like, how do we, how do we tell people to get on a mountain bike instead of, you know, instead of making bad decisions, just make some good decisions. You and get everything. to see the people come in and take that medicine too, and then mm -hmm. leave changed. Absolutely. That's gonna be nice. Dude, my girlfriend sees me come home after a good day, good pow day, ripping, oh. and I'm fucking on cloud nine. I land a trick. I'm like. I'm like fucking. It's like I'm high on drugs, yeah. and she's like, yeah. "Oh, you and and then bobbing and weaving around the house, all I excited. Broke my collarbone, <laughs> and I I haven't been able to get any exercise, even gym, whether it's the snowboarding mm -hmm. or all the things I normally do. I'm I'm off. I'm mentally a little bit off. You got. I'm gonna tune you into something right now. What? It's it's breathing, and I I've been practicing this for about four months now, and this is a little you know Nelson. -y I love it. No, let's go. It's kind of like Wim like Hof, but it's not really. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's a much mellower version. But I I do this like slow, steady breathing for two and a half minutes, and then I hold my breath for two minutes, and then I do faster breathing for two and a half minutes, and then I hold my breath for three minutes, and I do a cycle of four of those every morning, and I've discovered that what happens is not only do you like really. It's good for your lungs. It's just a little mm -hmm. bit of workout for your lungs. It's super chill. It's like meditative. Yeah. But my brain, it's like I'm on acid for the first 20 minutes or one of those kind of hallucinogens. When you feel yourself coming on, if you do this breathing in the morning, you you start your day with this. It's actually serotonin release in your brain that you're doing yourself. You're not taking any chemicals. It's from it's, the lack of oxygen? It's from hyper-oxygenating Hyper-oxygenating. And it's from turning your body and getting good with the fight or flight. And just like chilling through it, man. Just chill. And then you approach every day with this kind of like excitement, you know? And when you're injured, it's even more important to do stuff like mm -hmm. that. Because boy, you can go down a rabbit hole when you're an active son of a bitch like you are. And you want to go moto and this and that. And then your your wings fucked up and you get that. The, the breathing is actually a really good substitute if you're injured and even as a meditative practice, but I will, I will share the one I do with both of you guys. It's a, it's an absolute that. game changer mm -hmm. and it's, it's exercise that you do laying down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's incredible about that too. Is like, I, I got a lady that stretches me out when I'm all fucked up. Right. And she's like, at one point after like three or four sessions, she's like, Hey, I do breath work too. In my mind, I'm like, I just came here to get stretched out. Like, I don't yeah. want to breathe. And I was like, all right, I'll do breath work. And, I was fucking like high. Yeah. It was like I had a, went to a whole nother place. No, you literally are I, high. Yeah, and you're thinking breast work is like what he's breathing, and then and, and totally. And and I haven't fall, I haven't done much since, but it definitely can can uh, validate that experience at one point. Definitely. And as I'm getting older, I'm finding like finding more ways to stay fit mentally and physically without damaging my joints, mm -hmm. my back, and like yeah, I I love lifting and doing the the heavy calisthenics and and staying fit but man i'm wearing out i don't want any more knees i don't want to deal with that i've been through that i'm done i want to swim stretch get my fitness but not i don't want to go through any more big injury ruin the joints is yeah it's tough yeah. as you get older it is especially when you ride a snowboard as much as i do and i pick particularly bad landings it seems like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> a couple knee injury yeah. knee injuries under the belt yeah yeah there are flat landings in 
British Columbia. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> you found them. Yeah. Found them all. Yeah, I found I, a few. I do wonder too, going back about the like the what you said earlier about like snowboarding being great for <laughs> mental health and all that type of stuff, and it's like a, basically a therapy too. It's like if if doctors weren't like prescribing, hey, like maybe you don't need this pill. Maybe you just go snowboarding do on a daily basis. Fun. Or what's your sport? What yeah. did you used to do before? You know, people get injured and yeah. then they give up. And it's like, okay, what do you do before you were injured? Oh, I snowboarded, but now my knee doesn't bend anymore, whatever. Well, maybe we should try getting you on, uh, you know, fucking golf. Like, yeah. whatever. Like, do something, man. Something Don't give up, going. man. Just do something you like. Who cares if it's mm-hmm. cool or if it's not? Go skate. Go scootering around in the skate park if that, you know, is going to get you moving and doing your stuff. All right, don't scooter around the skate park. Yeah. Terrible example. Scooter around the skate park. Terrible. I got to tell you, for all the, the Canadian listeners, though. Stand up paddleboarding. Like, yeah. a lot of people could talk shit on stand up paddleboarding. It's not really my thing, you know, but I live on a lake and I see people doing it and I'm like, fucking, you know what? Right on. They're super into it. It's like older people, they got like pumping it up on the beach. Yeah. I'm like, fucking ready to go. Yeah. Whatever it is, go do it. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I did as a kid. I played hockey my whole life as a kid. Didn't play for 15 years. Picked up a pair of skates. Holy shit, is it fun? Yeah. Just skating around, sticking puck, ripping clappers. That's been Stick that's been really puck. fun for me lately. But Oh, we got to get you to Nelson for yeah. beer league. Yeah, let me know. What's oh, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I joined a, a summer league, and then I fucking destroyed oh, my shoulder. Damn. So we'll see how long, how many games I miss. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you'll be back. We'll be quick. back. We'll be back. Well, you got the college, yeah, man. The we got enough. I'm drinking enough bubs. I'll be. Are good. you doing the apple cider vinegar gummies? <laughs> <laughs> I eat uh, five fistfuls of those a them. day. I'm just gonna help out a minute. Maybe if you wash that down with a delicious pub <laughs> beer, God that collarbone's as good as you. We'll be good to go. I like what you said too about when you're in the trees, your mind just knows where to go and you don't think about it. That's that's what we have to remember. Yeah. You're Stop fucking so getting in the, in the way of a good time. Like, so in at, the moment, you just know where to go, and you don't even think about, like, I'm going to go over here, go over there. And if you can live your life, literally, with that, that much way. confidence, yeah. you're going to you're not going to hit the trees. You're a well-tuned, well-trained, you know, like, we, we're there. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Let it Let rip. It go. Well, and if you boil down fundamentally what causes a lot of mental disease or, or fucking things that plague you is you're thinking about something in the future, or you're thinking about something in the past. You're getting anxiety or you're getting like grief from a bad decision or all those things come from not th- thinking about what's happening right now. And so what are you doing when, when you're going snowboarding and you're going through the trees? Well, you're just like, oh, I'm going to go left right here. Perfect. This is where it's taking me. And you're actually present. And what's Bald Face Lodge do for you? You're actually, for once in your life, you're actually present with your friends. You're not in your room on your phone. You're fucking. We don't put any TVs in the rooms. There's nice. no chairs in the rooms. They're intentionally small with really comfortable beds, double occupancy. Because I don't want you fuckers hanging out in your room. Mm-hmm. I want you sleeping in your room, farting in your room. But you come over to the lodge. That's why it's called lodge. Yeah, come hang. Some of these lodges you go to. I'm not not in my industry necessarily, but like it's. I visited. Sometimes I do cons- consulting work for other lodges. I've done a couple of fishing lodges, some other places. And like I'll come in, I'll be like, "Why, why are your rooms so nice? Like, nobody comes up here to hang out with their wife in a room with a nice TV and watch a fucking show. Just get that shit out of there. Make it really obvious. Like, we don't really want you hanging out in the room. Get them in there. Put some Scrabble on the board. You know, get a game started. Do some stuff where people are getting together. And it's like the second people figure that out, all of a sudden it, it's like, oh right." Mm-hmm. hotel rooms and cities should have a TV so you can get away from it all and put your feet up, whatever, but not at a backcountry lodge, man. Yeah. Mm-mm. yeah. You got Wi-Fi up there? We do. The Wi-Fi, 
So like in the bald face story, like we were, we were analog when we started Kinko's and we came on through all this and man, Instagram. So that head of Instagram comes to the lodge, Adam Masseri. He's an amazing, he just did a Ted talk. He's an amazing guy. I got to talk to him about like, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but like Instagram, like built our fucking business. And the fact that we got Wi-Fi there so you can have the best day of your life and then tell your 3000, 5,000 friends, look at these pictures. Today was the best day of my life in my lodge. Like no wonder we're sold out. It's like every single person is posting in the afternoon and people are like, you should turn off the Wi-Fi. I was like, really? <laughs> True. Oh, works pretty good for me. point. You know, and we've had some trips. Well, like you when you got business people up there too, they need people need Wi Fi here in. and there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. There, there's a, like the technology thing's interesting. It's like a double edged sword because you, there's a lot of beautiful things. Like you're, yeah, you promote your business in a great way. You know, things like FaceTime, you can connect with loved ones. Uh, you know, even in this podcast, people are watching on the internet, feeling connected in some ways. But in, in a lot of other ways, it, it, it isolates people because you don't, you, you find yourself, I've, I'll see, I'll get home from coming at the podcast, go home, just be sitting on my couch, just scrolling. And you're not, and you're not going back, going back to present. We're going, it, it's the, you're, you're not present. But whose choice is that? It's, that's my shitty choice. Right. Yeah. So you just you choose the good choice every time. <laughs> like it's not Facebook that's making people, it's not Facebook that's making people bad or whatever. It's people that are choosing to be bad on Facebook. Yeah. It's like, stop blaming the Facebook or the CNN or whatever. Turn the shit off or use it to your, it's a great tool. It's like getting mad at a knife. Cause you got cut. It's like the knife didn't, you're, you're shitty at using a knife. Man. What are you mad at the knife? You want to ban all knives? What are you talking about? But it's fun to play with the knife is the yeah, thing. It's, like, it's fun to play with, the play with the knife. Yeah. This hammer's all fucked up. It keeps bending the nails. It's like, well. I go home and spend an hour or two DMing with bomb hole listeners. Yeah. And uh, that's fun too. Well, and that, that's it. shit with them. You could choose to do that or you can choose not to, but yeah. be good with your decision. Just yeah. be happy with it. Be like, I made this choice. Oh, the bomb hole listeners write me so much. I have to spend two hours no, a night. You're not saying that. Them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. That's how we can all help each other. Just be like, man, it's so easy to get down and the world, I got so much work, whatever. It's like, you chose this shit. My wife, who's G, yes, thank you. Her saying is you make your own sandwich. You don't like mayonnaise? Don't complain that there's mayonnaise on your sandwich. Just don't put mayonnaise on your sandwich. Nobody gives a fuck. It's your sandwich. (laughs) Eat your sandwich. Great analogy. You know what I mean? Make your own sandwich. You make your own sandwich in this life. Why are you mad if you're eating tuna salad and you don't like tuna salad? Yeah, you created it. Nobody's making you eat a tuna salad sandwich. (laughs) A lot of people are mad that their sandwich doesn't have mayonnaise and then somebody else's. It's nice when someone else makes you a sandwich. Yeah, that's true. We got good sandwiches. I love a good sandwich. We got good sandwiches. God, those Traeger. I bet you guys got a good BLT. That sounds like you guys probably got a good BLT with that bacon. We got a pretty good BLT, but um, you ever have peanut butter bacon sandwich? I've heard of that. I don't think I have. They go together. It's a BLBT. Wow. BLBT. (laughs) It's a it's a a really good one. Instead of mayonnaise, you put crunchy peanut butter on it. God, it's making me hungry. (laughs) Midwest roots, right? Midwest roots. Wow. You guys ever you ever have uh, peanut butter and fluff back? Oh yeah. That was, that was a, big a staple. East Coast thing. A lot of people yeah. don't know what that is in Utah. They didn't they grew up with fluffer nutters. They don't know. They, don't they just don't know. know. Those are delicious. Yeah. That's a good backcountry. They think snack. a white castle is like a church on the hill here. <laughs> 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 I pull up to the White Castle. I'm like, can I get a you know, slider, boxcar? 
Box of nails, cup of wash. They don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Did you have White Castle where you grew up? Uh, no, but it was it was in the surrounding like you know states. I, I ate it quite a bit as a kid. But. Oh, that's good road trip. Food. Oh yeah, yeah. You go to New York or some shit. Yeah. Little mini burgers. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I think we did it. Awesome. I think we did it, Jeff. Uh, you know, before we get out of here, I want to know what's next for Jeff Pensiera. What do we got on the docket? I, you know, I don't really know or care what's next, but I will say, um, I'm looking to start. I want to fit. All right. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Valhalla to cash flow and accommodation in the next three, maybe five years. I want to have a really awesome experience over there. Similar in size and cash flow to what we're doing at Ballface, And then I want to retire. And I'm going to find the heir apparent that's probably going to bridge it until Dream World, my kids want to get involved. Not Dream World, we um, probably sell it and then invest in, in travel and shit with the kids, you know? But if not, I'd be really stoked. Estelle's an amazing kid. And Lucia's an amazing kid. The twins are still developing into their adult selves, but I think I got a really, really good chance. I don't want to put it on them, and it's I'm not offering it to them. I'm not giving you the business kids, but <laughs> they're all really interested. <laughs> and, you know, Olivia's another one that I've known, Olivia Kelly, since she started as a baby, and I'm getting to know her as an adult now, and I just, I'm so in love with all these kids that have this Nelson open-eyed positivity and this willingness to like take on challenges all of them they're they're nelson puts out some great kids and i'm so lucky to be surrounded by them so i think what's next is like kick ass on valhalla make an amazing thing and then i got a nice little group of two and either i'll start stepping back and and enjoying more trips like this and coming and seeing people taking my kids to italy or something someday maybe it's unfathomable that we might be wealthy enough to do that someday but maybe we Maybe after 25 years, it starts returning a little cash that we can like spend on shit that we don't really need, but really would love to experience. You know, Sounds great. Killer. Now, uh, one last thing before we wrap this up. Uh, do you want to throw out any thank yous? Oh, my God. This is going to be really long. Yeah, we're ready I to got, do thing. I got a crew of people that, that have helped me since the beginning. <clears throat> Fraps. You know, we had a guy, Dave Thomas. I could talk... I could talk for three hours at any one of these people, but Dave Thomas, Tammy, none of them are going to watch this anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But there's so many people I could be thanking. And I, I go back to Salema, who's always has my back. Billy Anderson is like my brother in a lot of ways. Hearing your story about Jeffy was really like hard to hear. Talk to Billy after that. Like we have a, we have a relationship like me and Jamie. I can't believe how lucky I am to have him and, and his family in my life. Ken Locke comes out to the lodge and brings his family, supported my business like, he brought his car out there, right? And he left it. It's like... <laughs> oh, it's, it's still there? Well, the Maverick is. He's just like... Ken is an amazingly nice guy. I got all these people supporting us. Dave Warren, one of the Facebook founders. Adam, like... These people... Jeff Curl from Stance. Like, Wooly, all the way to Immigart, all the way to Pat Field, to Seth here. Like, Volcom has had our back. Burton has had our back since the beginning. Electric has been on board. Like, where do I stop? DeKine, fucking Mammoth, like... All these companies do everything they can to support K2, huge. They give us all the skis this year. Johan Malowski and Union and Gumby and George and all those guys do for us. And like Lib, Mervin, fuck all these companies just support the shit out of us. And it's a testament to how everybody just wants an authentic thing to pour their brand into and be a part of. And I'm so honored. I, I probably forgot 30 people. I'm really sorry. What's the percentage of like industry versus just vacationers at Baldfish? It depends on the year. Cause like, like 
I would call super or natural selection an industry trip. And yeah. that took up a good chunk of the season this year. We do one trip every year. That's prime time. That's Volcom electric C3. And then one other one floats in and out of there. Six, eight, six is going to take it next year. Nice. And that is really cool. Cause we get a bunch of heads together to kind of talk about our industry, have fun together. We mix it up a bit. Everyone's got different styles, but that trip is really one of my favorite trips of the year. And then occasionally we get like full lodge bookings, like, you know, Stance used to do or... Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just book the whole lodge out. Yeah. yeah, like Liquid Death wants to do it. I know that like Simnewski would do it with Fat Tire and those guys are doing amazing things with us at, at Valhalla. And yeah, so I'd say less now than it used to be. Um, maybe 20, maybe 20% in a big year. That's and cool. then, yeah, everyone else is just return customers. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I ran, recently listened you to... You don't even need to advertise. <laughs> just listen. come back. But we that's it. We should have a big advertising budget. Any company that does the volume that we do is going to have a chunk that goes to marketing and advertising. And that's where I just dole it out. And I'm like, why do I, why would I buy an ad for Baldface when I could give you guys, a, it was actually 1500 Canadian. It came down to a thousand. I apologize for that, but <laughs> no, it's great. You know, and I got this little account there and I kind of watch it and I'm like, here, here, like, I don't know. It, so it makes cool. sense to market the company, but I'm really just trying to build the brand and trying to like, invest in cool shit and make great opportunities that's mm-hmm. more what ball face is all about and we did it we got to where we got it to get to you know who was here who was talking about booking in like two or three years the magoon family Ooh. <laughs> they gotta have they're gonna be coming there. their way yeah hey, i've never like, met i've never met him they're gonna be coming your way i think in uh new years he's gotta get across can he get across the board Oh, that's a good question. He'll find a way. Because I kind of wanted to reach out and just be like, before there's an embarrassing situation, (laughs) I might want to just check your... I think he's good now. Is he? Yeah. Uh, One other thing, too, uh, talking about... The reason I went to Baldface was because of Stance, and I listened to a podcast with Jeff Curl, and he said the most profound thing to me, a guy who started Stance, (laughs) amazing guy, sold, made more money than anybody you know, uh, anybody I know. And, you, you know, he's been through... Tons of businesses, and you, you always wonder what the deal is. He was is. Entrepreneur of the Year from Ernst & Young, which is a lot. That is the most prestigious award you can I get. I did not wow. know that. But yeah. he said the most profound thing in this podcast. He said, I just boil it down to I like going into a business. Or he's like, I like starting a business with a small group of people that are awesome and just going into work every day and building something cool, and that's it. And if that's, I thought that was just the best bit, like, advice. He's like, that's all it is. You're just... All you're doing is you're going into work with people you like and building something cool. And if you can look at it like that, it's it's fucking you end up with a bald face lodge. Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. It's just that easy. It's that <laughs> but easy. it's true, man. It's one foot in front of the other, one little piece. Day like kind of lower day. your expectations and raise your fucking self worth. Like every little goddamn piece of that puzzle you fight hard for. You me and Fraps used to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing every day, but I'm I'm moving this fucker one inch forward or i'm not going to bed i don't give a shit what it is i'm getting one one more piece during the day and we would talk oh i got to talk to this guy and i learned this and oh i learned that great you know but we had to get it one and acknowledge that one thing Push the needle a little bit yeah it's great having a good business partner like you guys are great like having a partner that you, you care about and that you, you get to experience all these things with so that you can kind of have this dialogue that only business partners it's kind of like a husband and wife you know that is so valuable especially to have that relationship forever right Husband yeah. and wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, great analogy. Well, I want to say, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a great podcast. I hope so. I, you guys, I just hold you in the highest esteem and uh, everybody who's trying right now to get the word out, give people a platform to create positive change and like really, really celebrate these, these individuals in our community. I think what you guys 
do is is phenomenal and uh yeah it's an honor to be on the show i was kind of nervous like coming in and then you know i'd heard it goes by really fast it uh, does it right by really fast and yeah there's so many stories to tell them we're working on maybe i'm gonna write a little something more nice. with some help and maybe try to get our whole story like into into a book or something I so mean, you, that'd be rad to have the book at the lodge and yeah it's something that. i'm kind of working on a little bit i got a couple of people i'm working with so this is really a great chance for me to kind of practice that a little bit amazing well you did a great job yeah. i want to say thank you i want to say thank you to all of our listeners every single person that watches tunes in buys merch supports the podcast shows love is a part of this awesome community so thank you guys so much thank you to our sponsors and with that we got another episode coming at you next wednesday over and out from the bomb hole